originally planning to chill, and then Ganyo shot the shit out of him turn one, and he was like, I guess we're not chilling, and then just tabled him. everybody and welcome to StatCheck episode 47. This episode is titled 10th edition, what we know so far. But as you can tell from the people who are on the show, this is basically lads, 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 the show. We are doing nothing but nothing stats-wise. We are just talking Warhammer, the game, the side of things. You had the stat show last week. The boys did an absolute bang-up job with it. Anthony and I ran off to go and re record our award down under. Highly recommend you go and check that out. It's episode 148. We do a retrospective on 9th edition. But this episode, none of that stat shit. We don't, I don't even know what the stats were. They might be in the thumbnail of the YouTube video. Who knows? Who cares? We're here to talk about 10th edition and Kansas City Open. And that's basically it, plus a little bit about Sam. Um, but before we do that, let's introduce Sam. Hey, Sam, you're muted again. Um, <laughs> that's on purpose. That's on purpose. Hey, guys, Woo! thank you for having me on the show. Appreciate it. So uh, Sam is the, I'm going to go with, previous host of 40K Frontiers which was a fairly reasonably long-running show on the Best and Tabletop Network where they covered 4K from all aspects of international play. Uh, the show is, I believe, currently on hiatus or stopped or something. It's unclear. Uh, but Sam has been a long, a long-time friend of ours and a friend of the show, and we're super happy to have him on. He also won the most recent 4K Vibe Check League with his mostly custodies. All custodies, all, all custodies, custodies, all custodies. So they they bring custodies players good down there in the, down there in Australia. So we are super happy to have you on, Sam. Thank you so much for agreeing to step in for this episode during the in between time, um, where we get to talk. You're going to be one of the, the faces of Static when we talk about the first of tenth, because we know a lot more than we did last week. One but we still don't we... know. We don't know still. We don't know. We don't know a lot, but we do know a lot more than we did. Anthony, how has your last week or so been? Or two weeks, I guess, because it's been a while since we were on. Uh, generally pretty good. Um, I got to retire the world leaders last weekend. It was the, the Angry Boys final ride. Um, I went to the Kansas City Open and played in the teams. Um, we won. Woo! Uh, it was slightly more nerve-wracking than it needed to be because of a bullshit nonsense tiebreak method that I guess we'll get into at some point later. Anthony, um, would you like to play Game of Rock Christmas with me on air? No, I don't want to play it on air. I don't want to play it to decide what's fair. Insert another rhyme here. Fuck that nonsense. Um, the Yeah, that was not fun. Um, but we won anyway, so it didn't matter. Um, so draws are good people. People should embrace them. Sometimes the match is too close to call, and it's okay that it's a draw. Anyway. Um, no, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. Could you... Um... You're gonna have to hand in your your um your American passport for that that decision. Like you're just not allowed to gladly. <laughs> we can keep it. Um, but yeah, uh, we took a fairly weird comp. Uh, we played Ultramarines, Necrons, Eaters, uh, Guard, and then GSC. Um, we were lucky enough to have one of the four people I would trust to play GSC in a team setting on hand, so we got that done. Uh. The Ultramarine, shout out to Castra. I had never seen Castra play before this event. He's really, really good on a really non-traditionally good army. Um, he, he made me a believer, so that was pretty cool. What was he uh, doing that made you a believer? Let's uh, come on, people want to hear want to hear the spice. 
Dude, he was just like every single time we'd be like, here's a gutter garbage matchup on a table you don't pick. He'd be like, cool. All right. Kept it within 10 or one. Uh, it was interesting. We put him in like the first round into um, Cameron playing Slanesh Rush. And he was just like, yep. Kept the uh, little like you get overwatched to death if you touch this. Beat him by 20 because I kept marching for McCrag. All right. Um, yeah, he just every time he beat Quentin as well on Eldari, like he just people ran like you can't run at him basically ever because you get like quad overwatch and then Judas here six inch direct. Um, because that shit hurts real bad, especially if you're an elf. because uh, there's no real way to stop it outside of tagging the units doing the overwatching, which means you're getting overwatched. So yeah, it was a it was definitely a an interesting experience uh, living that ride. He's also like an absolute gem of a person. Uh, big fan of Kaz. So yeah, things went well. Um, we won the games. We did the things. Um, I don't really got the golden tickets. We got the golden tickets. Um, at some point, we'll figure out who gets the paid one because despite giving us five for winning the teams event, they only pay for one of them. Even though the glorified Sigmar RTT gets a paid one, I'm just gonna try not to be too mad about that and keep going with my. There was only one for the 340 player Warhammer Fest man. They weren't giving your your event five. Yeah, that's fair, but like you know, anyway. I'm it's um, a real shitty thing to do, isn't it? Just be like, hey, so you guys figure out which one of you gets to gets a couple grand, and the rest. Can, yeah, good luck. Be... Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm definitely not taking it because I was planning to go anyway and crash with with the homie. So we're gonna just try and do that, and then, but like, I don't know who amongst the rest of the team is getting it. Anyway, um, yeah, we went, we won. I uh, played in crazy games. Uh, I beat Sean for the first time in a tournament. That's never happened before. Um, I was a I was creeping up on a double-digit loss column to Sean and was happy to avoid that. I think I might be there already, but whatever. Anyway, we did it. We got him this time. <laughs> uh, well done. Yeah. It was, it's a good uh, scalp. It, yeah, strong, powerful. Not just saying because um, I've got it too, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. You sure did try not to have it when you played him, but you got there anyway. Reapers for chumps. Just get him charged turn one and murdered. It's fine. Sandbagging, you know? Just making sure, making sure I was still good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my weekend went well. The food in there was quite good. Ironically, the barbecue is not as good as the steakhouse that we went to, which makes just no sense. But whatever, it worked. Um, yeah, had a good time hanging out with everybody, seeing people doing things. Shout out to TJ winning the singles. Um, yeah, that was the last week. Now we go into retirement <laughs> mode. TJ's been on an insane run lately. Like, he, what? When was the last time he lost an event? Uh, whatever the last event. one I was at. Yeah, yeah, there's the one he like dropped well. after he dropped on day one on because he didn't yeah. make he like they did a weird bracketing after like three rounds. So he oh, dropped no. he like lost a game and then dropped bracketing. Plus the one you were at. Those, those are the last two I can remember in like the last four months or so since LVO yep. really. And I guess um Alpine singles he only came second. Merely second, but he didn't lose. Yeah. Now that came in the teams. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, uh, no. TJ's been on an insane run with his Zinch demons. I guess um, America just built them differently. He's just much better at those three up saves than mere mortals are. Well, turns out the uh, the bird helps too. A lot of people running around with no bird makes that yeah. matchup a lot easier. I do enjoy killing the bird. The look on that Zinch player's face when it dies in a round of shooting to Iron Hands is just glorious. But I don't think it's supposed to do that. But anyway, <laughs> it has every time I've shot it before. So that doesn't mean it's or whatever. <laughs> How was your weekend, Ennis? Oh, uh, I have done 
I have just not been doing anything. Part, partly because like I'm not really doing a lot of work right now because nobody really wants knife coaching. So my Are like, sure? it's been okay. I'm doing like a bit here and there, but mostly it's like waiting for tenth now. So people are like, "Hey, in two weeks, can we do a call? In like three weeks, can we start?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, that sounds great." Right now, though, hobby backlog, getting through it. It's been kind of great. I went through like all my sprue bin. I've painted like a full Legion army now that I didn't have before. So like, I painted all my eight points for that. Um, I've been going through um, like sorting out just random models here and there, just to have like a general basis of going into 10th with what feels like a bit of a fresh start so i can just start getting paid on things for i have my first gt the first weekend after it launches so not the 24th but the weekend after that i have a gt then i'm going to poland for two weeks so you know i'm not gonna have a ton of painting time once that starts with work being as busy it will be at that point so getting foundationally done there um other than that not been playing a ton um i did like a tempest rtt i think i spoke about that last time um Played some practice games with Chris just to like round out ninth edition. Um, but no, it's been pretty quiet. I've had a, a nice chill two weeks watching the dog mostly. So no, it's uh it's not been too bad. What about yourself, Sam? How is your what's your hobby life been like in the past however long you feel like talking about? Uh it's been very quiet on my front, funnily enough. So I sort of had my we had ANZ team champs, so beginning of May, so almost a month ago now. And I honestly haven't been doing too much, just going for the hobby backlog. So thankfully, I don't have any unassembled minis. I just got to paint through some stuff and just doing bits and bobs. So, you know, yeah, the very traditional thing. coconut crab scheme on the Tunids, like just going through, adding some extra details and stuff like that. So you're, um, you're a psychopath for painting that scheme, by the way. Look, my 90 Termogons have to get there somehow, right? Yeah, I'm looking. Are you rebasing yours or painting new ones? I'll, I'll 3D print some like alter like extenders. So from 25 mil extenders. I'm definitely to just painting new ones. I don't think I can use the old ones having seen the new models. Look, I've already definitely pre-ordered at least one box of Leviathan and I'm sure there'll be many more Tyranid halves to come along the way on the horizon. So yeah, well, fingers crossed the Tyranid half is pretty cheap given the uh, general ratio of Tyranids to Marine players. You'd like to hope there's a lot of Marine but Marine halves getting bought up and not a lot of not a lot of Nids halves. Sam is frozen. It's a wonderful picture. There we go. Oh, it's the internet, bro. <laughs> to be fair, he God is like calling us from like the like the 12th of June or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, how are the Leviathan data sheets? There? How are all the um the Marines and Marine Nids data sheets? They must be out for you guys by now, right? <laughs> Right, with I wish, that, I wish. Let's uh, let's move swiftly on because we have a ton to cover this week. Um, this is where we would normally put the stats bit. However, one thing a lot of people might not know about StatCheck: we are very loosely a collection of seven people who work together to do a ton of stuff. What that does result in, though, is that I don't know where the stats are. Like they're in a spreadsheet that Nathan and Jeremy occasionally reference, and Cliff gets and uploads to the dashboard. I don't have access to that spreadsheet. I don't know where I would go to access that spreadsheet. That's not a thing that, like, we are very compartmentalized. So I know, like, Nathan was in the chat earlier being like, what do you guys, like, hate the stats? I don't hate the stats. I just don't I don't understand the stats. I don't I don't get it. Like, I do more than Anthony does. I think Anthony just kind of ignores the stats now. Um, but what? But, yeah, exactly. Um, but we're very compartmentalized here, which means that even if we wanted to cover the stats, we really just can't. Um, yeah, as Brian, as Brian says, the inmates are running the asylum. That is exactly what is happening today. With that said, um, I presume some armies did pretty well and some armies did pretty crap. You could probably guess them. 
um, Iron Hands with Master Artisans, probably sitting somewhere in the 70s. Space Fools, World of Rageborn Heroes, probably similar. Admech, still garbage. Like, I don't know what you want from us here. Um, I, I can't do more than this. This was a weird week where a lot of the like players were sequestered into a team's event in the States, so there could have been weird results, but I don't know them, so... Yeah, there, there definitely were tournaments. I don't, yeah. I don't even think Goonhammer's like Goonhammer's not doing showdowns this week. Like that's a like you know how they normally do like a breakdown of like the top table matchups. So they're not doing that. They're like this is ninth. Nobody cares anymore. Um, so yeah, when you look at a bunch of data sheets from tenth, it's really hard to be like, oh, I care a lot about ninth. Yeah. So this week we are just check. Um, there is no stat. <laughs> check forty-seven. So, with that said, we're going to move on, and we're going to just start talking about Kansas Edition a whole bunch. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Kansas City as well. Do you want Anthony? Actually, do you want to do a full Kansas City segment where we can just like cover the stuff you want to cover, Anthony? Because I know there's a bunch of stuff you want to cover. Okay. So Sam and I can mute up and just enjoy the enjoy the torrent. So, I'm going to preface this with saying that I had a good time for the most part. Played some dope games. Round one, I got to play Eric Forsman. Delight. Rest of my rounds all awesome. All my opponents, super cool. Now, I understand that the tie-break method that we were given was in the pack. I'm sure it was. I believe them that it's in there somewhere. That doesn't make it less shit. Because if someone told me they were going to punch me in the mouth and they still do it, I'm not going to be thrilled. Um, even if I have to do that in order to have the rest of my weekend be awesome. So, uh, cause it was not an FLG event. Yeah. I had a good time cause it's not an FLG event. So basically what happened was we had a draw, right? One, two of our players won their games, two of their players won their games. And then one play, like the last remaining set of players drew now by every other metric that they were using, we were up, we had more game went, um, we had the same amount of game ones going into the round. We're both 4-0. But we had more um, like individual game wins. We had a higher strength of schedule. You name it, we got it. We had more battle points. We were on the high side of the, the what was a true draw. Um, and the method they were using was battle points. Um, however, because draws are anathema to the event organizers at Games Workshop, we we're not allowed to proceed with that result. <laughs> um, so in the packet, it says that the resulting tiebreaker will be a rock, paper, scissors match, which both captains refused. Um, so instead, we were going to do a roll-off. That did not happen. Uh, an organizer took the dice, rolled the dice. Ball, right before he rolled it, was like, one, two, three, greater evil wins, four, five, six, art of war wins. Rolls the dice, lands on a three, we get a round loss. That is the single most angry I've ever been during a 40k game. And I've played Colin McDade multiple times. Uh, like, that was insane. I could not, like, there of all the ways to decide a round, that has to be the worst. Um, several. At least you could say it also. I was going to say, if yeah. at least you now you can say you've actually been diced to lose a game. There you go. Yeah, actually diced. Um, so, yeah, it was, that felt terrible. Like, if you're going to run a tournament 
and have influence like like just let it be things that happen in the game like anything i don't even care what it is which team went first more whatever just like something related to the game that isn't just like this random like ah fuck it whoop <laughs> um yeah yeah it's weird because uh, yeah so it sounds weird so obviously traditionally like a team setting you have like the differential scoring like that zero to 20 score but Dude, with this gw ways. event it's all battle points so that's why like literally it was a well, was 79-79 draw exactly on the margin, but as yeah, you said, bang two, on. you had 619 battle points versus whatever the other side was, and um, it was a literal draw. Like, oh, I mean, yep. it was a literal draw per se, uh, according to the GW format, which yep is a thing. Yeah, we had more battle points than them in the aggregate, but because that last game was like a dead even battle point draw, it didn't matter. Um, and so, like, did... the question I have. Is why could it not just be a draw? Why could you not just be both be four and one? I don't know. Um, we were just told that their draws were not allowed. We were not given like a reason as to why that's not allowed. It's a, it's certainly a decision. I yeah. yeah, I mean it was it was real disappointing, right? Because so we're like we had a really rough like event run. To that point as well like we played what we assumed would be the finals in round one and then got to play the rest of team usa in round three and then the team that had just like beaten the death or glory team in round four and then like to play you know greater evil in round five was like oh okay like they're also undefeated but they've not had like anything approximating the path that we've had through this because we've been taking out all the good team like all the other better teams in route to them um and it just didn't matter and that really sucked so yeah um and then in the finals thankful like you know thankfully for us like they just lost and then we won ours and then we won the tournament anyway because we were up by a billion on all the tie breaks like the other tie breaks that were didn't involve rock paper scissors or a die roll um so we won the event yay but like i don't like win loss draw on the event actually like wasn't that important to me and it actually really like kind of devalued what winning the event felt like because it was just like yeah we won because they lost but they really should have just drawn us and then we i don't know it the whole thing felt like very uh like unsatisfying like the like, because I had just literally, like, we just won Alpine, right? Like, that was, like, huge hype, super exciting. We we're all freaking out. Like, hell yeah, let's go. Even if we had had a draw in that last round and, like, won the event anyway, it would have been sick, right? But, like, this, like, random L to this nonsense method to win anyway is just, like, eh, cool, I guess. I don't know. It just wasn't, it didn't have the same excitement that it otherwise could have had. That's fair. It is a shame. I know, um... At Warmerfest, like they came around all the tables that were, I suppose, four and one, four and oh, going into game five, which is the one that determined top cut. And we're like, oh. hey, we're going to be super scroll, super scrutinous on any draws this round because, like, you could theoretically, like, draw and guarantee a, a win in it, right? So you yeah. could be like, hey, if we both draw, then we're like, you know, like locked for what would be like 15th to 16th kind of thing if you were like in first. So I get it, like, in some context, it's worth having a lot of scrutiny on. But just straight up disallowing them is just a bizarre, bizarre choice. Yeah, I forgot a part of this that's like additionally frustrating. 
So because the event doesn't allow clocks, the game that was a draw actually never played their fifth battle round. Um, they were they just quickly talked through it with someone pressuring them to go fast, as opposed to just having had the clock and been able to finish their game naturally. Um, I think if you're gonna like hardline no clocks, you also got to be chill with people like taking a little bit longer, because you're not letting them enforce a method to actually finish the fucking game. Uh, yeah, it was just real disappointing. Like. Yeah. From what I understand as well, they were super lenient with that on day one and two, right? With right. games going over, and then day three, it was hardline, no, we have yeah. to finish. Yeah, we got to go. Exactly the same thing at Warhammer Fest. Day one and two, you could run an hour over. It was, you know, you could play through lunch, it was fine. And then day three, it was like, hey, no, um, this game needs to be done, so we can go to the next one, because we've got to buy the venue by half eight, which I'm guessing is probably the same thing that happened again, but it just indicates that their clock rules don't scale well to the third day of the event, which yeah, means it's probably something that you need to look at. Yeah, just change that then right like we have a method the whole like the, i think the reason this ultimately was so frustrating is not like because the system exists in a vacuum but because i've been to two other team events where i was like oh look at this perfectly functioning system that needs no other fucking changes just use that what are we, what <laughs> like it's right there you could just you don't even have to use most of it like, why are we reinventing the wheel? I don't know. It drove me insane. At least this one, they used the um, the army limitation system. Because the old Warhammer World team events, they didn't use it. Like, yeah, we would just, like, have five Space Marine armies if you wanted to. It was awful. Yeah, we would have showed but up with four Iron Hands and a guard. Like, yeah, Well, Anthony, great. don't you know the European meta is six months ahead? So, obviously, the tournament schedule is also the same way. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I can hope. I can only hope that in six months... The team scene here is fixed. Well, you might have something to say about that at some point, right? So doing my best, one day at a time. But so, uh, well, obviously, with the with the GW events, so I understand they have like those timings roughly. So for around like oh, one for each turn, battle round, you're supposed to have it done by this sort of time frame within yeah. the round. Was that enforced at all, or not really? It was. There's no real way for but... them to enforce it, right? Like if you're sure. behind, you just kind of are behind. And then, right. like, because you were behind at step one, likely when they get to step two, you will remain some amount behind, and it kind of cascades downwards. Yeah. Um, There's always a thing in a game like that where one of you is always like, it'll be quick at the end of the game, and, like, just pressures it through, and you're like, yeah. it's going to take a while, and then it never is. Yeah, for what it's worth, like, this was, like, a scenario where orcs were playing, and the WA got called on four. So, like, yeah, this game was always going to take... But, like, at least you know what's up when you have the clock or like the time is distributed appropriately i don't know it was like what are we doing yeah it's it's not that it was uh like just annoying or frustrating it was that it was like baffling it was like we know solutions to this why are we doing it this way where it only feels bad and like i wouldn't feel better if we had hit the four up like it's just like ah, it's gross all of it feels bad Sure, that makes sense. Um, do they divvy up the tables at all, like for the three different GW layouts, or is it all the same yeah. for each round? Uh, they were random across what table you were paired at. So, like some, like table fifty-one would be like two layout twos, two layout threes, one layout one. Whereas like table one was like three layout twos, one of one and three. It was That's interesting. Not- not easy to prepare for, I'll tell you that much. Team crazy pairings, depending on where you were in the tabling bracket, every time. 
Yeah. Well, there's some good lessons learned, though, for the team, though. Obviously, so I think it's probably good to mention, though, obviously, you guys, when you lost the WTC, or you, did, you lost a round of WTC against Poland, yep. um, you sort of fell off the bandwagon, per se, and that carried on into round six. Um, but, like, this round, you were able to come back from that loss and win the event, so that's something to take away, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the team... Like, we, we have a lot more teams experience now as a unit, right? So, like, when we take an L like that in the most frustrating manner possible... Um, finish your mics doing the thing um when yeah like we took an l in a much more frustrating manner this way because it was like completely out of all of our hands right like just whoop here we go um so but we were able to just like we all took like 15 minutes to just be pissed just take your time because like gotta process that can't just like pretend that didn't happen but we were all able to come together and be like all right if they fucking lose and we crush it this round it's our tournament still and that was what we did and that ultimately was a very positive thing to take out of this that we were able to do in spite of the bullshit nonsense tiebreak system did you captain the team here i also i hope my mic is i've changed mics so hopefully no you're good now um i was not captain john was but did you do all the captaining stuff except the pairings no we i mean it was kind of like kind of team as i right now where john and i did like a lot of it together um so yeah Good. Right. Happy days. Um, how did the other Team USA members go? Like, Ooh, did, yeah. was it a good learning experience for them? Yeah, they did great. Uh, it was great for all of them. Uh, there was a lot of, like, people coming up to me through the weekend, not even just the Team USA guys, but in general being like, how am I going to play singles again? And I was like, they got you too, bitch. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, they did really well. They finished third. So <laughs> their only round loss was to us. Um, and then they went through and just, like, beat people up in the rest of the rounds. So they did really well. That's a good way to do it. Yes, sir. Does John have some sort of captain memorabilia, like a shield? <laughs> it's a, if it's gonna if they're taking it to WC, it's gonna be like a Captain America yoga mat, actually. But yeah, for real, that shit was so clutch last year. Brian had it right. The rest of us were trolling. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. With that, to, was, okay. Sorry. Also, um, do, do answer. So Luke McCarthy's question in the chat. So why was the ra rationalization for no clocks? Um, it's a Mike Brandt thing. It's an opinion made that he's been going for a while. With Nova, it started with Nova. You used to run yeah, that, if I'm not mistaken. They always just have round timings. Like they, do, he does not. He's not of the professional opinion. Clocks should not be used in 40k. Which, whatever way, yeah, it's good. a choice. Like I get it. Like clocks are like not all armies are created equal. Armies have different demands on timing and things like that. You know, a, a knight army and an orc army don't tech, probably don't require the same split. But it's the best method we have and. You know, no method, like, sure, it's not a perfect method. The clocks have their weaknesses, clocks have their downsides. They change very much the dichotomy of the game. It's a lot harder to have, like, banter and social stuff back and forth when you're on a clock um, for a I lot mean, of people. Um, it's not if a you have lots of clock time, it's easy, I think. Sure. Like, but in those rounds, we would have had two hours each on the clock. It would have been fucking cruisy. Sure, but it's not... It can be harder, right? Because you have that sudden, like, it's your time that's taking you away if you're, like, trying to have a challenge on the clock. And I get it that it's still it's the same thing happening when you're not on a clock. It's just more it's less visible, right? Um, and having the visibility on it changes the dynamic. And it's not ideal, right? It's what it is at the core of social game. Um, but in order, in the interest of like competitive integrity, we don't have a better method than clock. You could fill out timesheets. That's WTC tried that one year. It was goddamn what? awful. Yeah, no, you had to like fill out timesheets for like how long term one took, how long term two took. It was terrible. Nobody did it. Um, but it was like the thing they were doing because well nobody owned clocks right 
uh, and there weren't apps for doing it and stuff like that at the time. This was like 2017, I want to say. Um, it was dire, but it was the thing that we tried before clocks, and then we moved to clocks, and it was better, shockingly. Um, no. I know, right? Who would have guessed? Um, Next thing we need is like those employees, like timesheet cards, you just clock in and clock out. You got to submit all your team punch cards at the end of the round. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No. But all, overall, though, good time. What was, so besides the steak, guys, where did you eat? Uh, we went to a barbecue place, a steak place, and an Austrian restaurant. That was actually real good. I don't know why that's in Kansas City, but it was delicious. And now that now they're going to Atlanta, um, anybody who want, anybody who knows or lives in Atlanta and has any recommendations for food in Atlanta while we're there, we would yeah. love to hear them because I'm sure as a group we will be trying many many different places. Yeah, so, that's gonna be a lot. Of, I don't know. Don't know anything. Now that Anthony's actually going, besides just to hang out, because we were gonna get Anthony to do all the scouting for restaurants for us, but now he's playing. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I th- I know for sure though in Atlanta that's they've got a Coca Cola museum, so that's something interesting to explore. Oh. I'm pretty sure the Coke brothers were founded roughly around that area. Interesting, I did not know that. Yeah, it's the yeah. headquarters for Coca Cola in the US, I believe. That seems real. Yes, yeah, something like that. And you guys, oh. it's in September, right? It's uh, when... November. Uh, November. November. Oh. Go see Sam, Atlanta. You your game. Come on, man! You'd know if you had a ticket. Look, I I have to get good first, so let me get there first, and I'll try. You gotta... I'll you try. gotta fist fight a lot of dudes in Australia to get a ticket. They have like two. <laughs> oh, a lot Can't of dudes. And I, I recently just moved to Queensland, so um, we're the hub of a lot of the best players in Warhammer is. So any top rounders just play casually some WTC players and some very very good personnel. So yeah, look, I'll get there one day. I'll get I there. I think one there's day. like six events in Europe you could fly to if you wanted to have like the Malta GT, <laughs> the Luxembourg GT. That's what Brian was oh, easy. doing. Easy, just you know, spend a casual four grand in flights just to, for us a, a golden ticket. I mean, yeah, easy. just spend another four grand in flights on, yeah, <laughs> yeah, why not? Easy, um, you show up to that event, you're like, so I win the free flights, right? <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> you get your hotel open. costs, but you have to pay the flights again. God damn it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll do, we'll do hotels, we'll do hotels, man. I promise, <laughs> um. I'll pay for your Uber from the airport to the the one Liam doesn't get. Uh, Liam already has a ticket. Liam got the first gold ticket that was available. Like the first weekend, um, like the weekend before, like two weeks before LVO or whatever it was, just like slam dunked a golden ticket. was like, I am going to that tournament. Booked his hotel. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And Eric has, I think, maybe the other one, I believe. Or actually, maybe not. He has a qualifier. So in Australia, they've got this thing called the OFGM Championship Circuit. And so in September, like all the people who've won the circuit, they go to an event and I think they compete for the last golden ticket or at a number of golden tickets. So yeah, that's I think Eric well. has got a qualification for that as well as Liam. But I don't know. Liam's already got one, so Liam could just like leave it to someone else, right? You know what? He he's claimed up... Yeah, he's claimed so many skulls in Australia. He may as well claim another trophy and some skulls along the way. He's going to go win second it for the flex so that second place gets the trophy. He's like, here you go, nerd. <laughs> just like he takes it, like he takes it from the TO and then just goes and finds second place in the crowd and gives it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> it feels kind of rushed that it's already in November, says David. Yeah, it's it's not long after like LGT and stuff like that. It's going to be a wild few months. Um, I'm yep. very much looking forward to the, the back half of this year. It's going to be. It's going to be an interesting time. 
Right, with that, we're half an hour in and we've not spoken a single thing about what we know so far about 10th edition. So well, it's because we don't know. We don't know anything about 10th edition. Um, that we is a recording code from the StatCheck Discord, which you could be in if you were a patron at patreon.com slash StatCheck. Um, and you can understand what we don't know means. Um, yeah. But with that said, there's been like just a ton of reveals this week um, and also last week. So last week on the show, the stats guy spoke through all of the ones that came out last year or last week, which was like Gene Cults and things like that. So we're not going to touch on them super much other than to say, holy crap, I love the Gene Cults mechanic. It's so cool. And I'm going to very much enjoy making a bunch of people miserable with that. It sounds like the exact kind of thing that just hacks people off, which is great. Um, but more importantly, we got like all the games at Kansas City. So we got like 50 data sheets, all the army rules for Eldar, Guard, Death Guard, and Chaos Demons. I think we, we got most Death of Guard, them. Or is that rude? I mean, we can talk about all the relevant stuff. Um, so we're done. Um, yeah, Death Guard is. Uh... Death Guard is Death Guard is not not good, man. Mortarian it's... was so much worse than I was expecting. He, um, um... So yeah, we'll, talk, like... we'll talk through those four factions in a bit of depth. We'll talk through the Leviathan data sheets, and we also got the entire core rulebook. So we're gonna run for about the next half hour, just talking through some tenth edition stuff. Then we'll do half an hour questions, and then we'll finish up in a broad amount of time. I have no idea what time it is for you right now, Sam. We are literally operating on the th like three different tri continents as well no, as I'm, like, I'm trying to think of like thirds of the globe, but the hemisphere doesn't split into like triads. Yeah, three different thirds of the globe. That's probably easier. Uh, so I don't know what time it is for you right now. So I don't know how long you reasonably have here. So we're just going to go for the standard show length and hope for the best. <laughs> Um, now, but cool, let's start with the core rules. It's probably the best place to start. What has stood out to you guys so far from the core rules as being interesting? Not just like we've seen a bunch of the mechanic changes, like we know how the charge phases change. What's like standing out to you as places people should be putting more like resources into? Good luck with the fight phase, folks. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. The second the charge phase starts till the minute the fight phase ends is just like basically completely different. Um, and getting your head around the ways in which you now can and cannot move. Honestly, I expect that to like, like having seen the rules on that now, I expect them to have to put out like some form of documentation day one, like they did with fight first and the last to just be like, so what we meant was this, because if you just do what it says now, it, it's so confusing. <laughs> Do you think that, yeah. like, have you had a chance, much chance to put it on the table and it's just kind of, like, confusing because you've not got a lot of experience with it yet, or is it just confusing? No, no it just like... is confusing, because you have to, like, like, a small part of it is the, like, you have to train your brain to look for the ability to move block yourself, which is a experience. Um, no, done, been there, done that. But you also like it's just kind of clunky man like the you're also ultimately like mostly accomplishing all the jank you were before but now there's like a nine step alcoholics anonymous program to get there you have to explain each part of it while you're doing it it's a lot of work well, just... as a chaos player you should be used to like the third phase of the moon dictating your plays so bro i don't play the chaos armies that do that this is foreign territory bro, to you me. play world ears world ears are part of chaos that means you're a chaos player now i'm sorry i get it i played That's csm before this like exactly. i understand but like yeah it's uh i imagine that what's going to ultimately happen at that like i said is that there's going to be an faq that's just like push your models directly at the enemy models fucking enough 
because they just yeah. like you could probably just do as like every model must end as close as possible, right? That's like sure, that's what the seventh edition ruling you, was. You just but... take the blood surge words and put them in the charge phase. I don't know why this has to get crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, you could still do some shenanigans with that, like like the physically blocking yourself so you couldn't get more models into pile and into base contact and things like that. So you could probably do a little bit still, but yeah. They should just, you just shouldn't have, like, if they're going to go this route, just stop making me declare a charge target. Let me just be like, I'm charging, roll the dice and see where I go. Because, yeah. like, I mean, that's basically how it works now, right? With Overwatch changes and all that kind of stuff, so. But, like, just do that then, right? Like, so that you can, like, like they would probably save themselves a lot of headache if it wasn't like, well, because you multi-charged. Now, let me break out my fucking flow chart. <laughs> and so I can tell you where I'm moving. Because like, if you wait. just charge so one thing, I'm there for that. If if you just charge one thing, like it's kind of like it, it's not fine. It's the same problem, but like it's less complicated at least. But if you charge multiple things, the the fucking structure falls apart in a hurry. I don't know. Like I, as someone that plays a lot in the fight phase, like I said, it's just going to be a lot of uh, the same thing, just with newer players being more confused than they are now. When I'm like, all I have to do is go closest. And then I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Whereas now it's like, no, I have to do closest, but I can't touch because I moved these guys first. And it's like. Could we get my numbered little dice out so I could put an, uh, like a uh, like token so I can mark which model's moving in which order and plant plan it. Yeah. Out and turn two. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see Brian play Orcs and clock out immediately. It's going to be fantastic. The first yeah, it's going to be tough. Out. Like, the the shooting of the people is definitely going to be faster. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. That part is definitely something to look at. That and the fly changes in the movement phase. Woo, lad, is that keyword terrible now? Yeah, fly changes, which is basically like, hey, um, enemy models don't exist anymore. That's it. It's basically fly now, right? Yeah. And yeah, like, like four-inch like four terrain or a direct path is, like, about it, right? Yeah, don't try to go over terrain. You'll almost always end up losing movement. Just you know, like those WT, the WTC ones that you have, like the the stepped L. You could maybe go over like the two inch bit now and not. Lose yeah, it. sure. Go around it instead. <laughs> yeah, That's probably yeah. what you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting about the fight phase. So the whole, so how fight they only seen that abilities on data sheets will have fight first as well. So. Being having the, the receiving player of the charge be able to activate before the charger happens is fucking spooky. Uh, also, yes. heroic intervention makes you a charger, which gives you fight first now. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You, you oh. remove that caveat at the very end. They oh, said they they you do not get the benefits of charging uh, for heroic okay, intervention. It also doesn't yeah, give you lance. <laughs> no. Damn, my custodian. Yeah, yeah oh, we haven't so seen a data sheet with the lance. Heroic intervention with a unit with fight first will be messed up. Um, yeah, that shit's gonna be real messed up. The first time you heroic someone and fail the charge, though, you're gonna be real sad. Trap to still roll the charge. Oh, oh yeah, cool. it's a six inch <laughs> charge, baby. Get in there, soldier. <laughs> oh no, I didn't. I have not really read that strategy, but it's much depth as I should have. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think heroic intervention requiring you to only be able to slant into a unit that charge now is something that people will probably. Take a while to get used to. People are used to like defending objectives with characters on like the middle four and stuff like that, which just doesn't work anymore. Like you, like if they didn't declare a charge, you can't heroic into them at all. Um, so there's definitely a few things that will be limiting on that front. Front. Um, when we get to the Eldar, we can talk about more about Overwatch. I want to leave that one off just now, Sam. Please. I was just. <laughs> I won't talk about Eldar. Don't you worry. So, but the other thing I think it's interesting to note about the charge phase as well is how you no longer have. Oh, you can activate into units you didn't declare a charge against. 
Yeah. So that's one thing that's notable for sure. So for um, things that potentially could fight twice or through some piling consolidate shenanigans or whatever, how it works, you can uh, make it, you can activate into units you didn't declare a charge against too. Yeah, anything so, that increases your pile or console distance is actually like mega scary with that. Because it's like, yeah, you screen. Did you screen seven inches away from the front unit? Uh, I mean, pile probably consolidation is just tagging more stuff, right? Like it's not going to give you increased attacking. Yeah, yeah, but that tagging can be a big deal if you can reach and touch an objective because consolidate lets you do that. Yeah, sure. Like it'll still be good. Like don't remember, but it's like piling is going to be significantly stronger than consolidation. Oh people. yeah, yeah. Um, like increased consolidation is nice to have, not need to have. Although the ability to like decide you're not moving a model and then um what's the word um leave it in range of an objective so that you can consolidate back across a wall will be very uh, there's definitely like there's a ton of new jank in the fight phase that i'm really looking forward to trying to work out and trying to like get the most leverage out of and then doing it quickly as well like obviously that's part of the, yeah that's gonna be the hard part things. right um but it will be super interesting once we get into a position where like, it will not take that long, right? Like, people will get to the point where they're doing this make these mechanics correctly. Yes, it will suck at the beginning. It always sucks at the beginning. There, People will get better at these mechanics in time. What? What are you laughing at? Come on. The the, the Calzone Gaming Lemon with a million <laughs> exclamation points got me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. We will figure out ways to do this quickly. Hopefully, we'll have some resource videos going up for that eventually. Uh, we are working on some stuff um, to get that out. To you guys so we can start showing off some of this cool stuff uh one thing i wanted i don't want to touch on um hellstone wargaming showed this one in a video today the uh if you're not wholly within terrain you can't shoot through it thing so like if you have a model on a ruin but like a, the toenail is hanging off it you can be seen but can't shoot through that ruin even if it's got windows on it so like those wc ruins like the current ones or like LGBT, like middle ones if your full base is not on the ruin you do not shoot through windows um, but you do get shot through those windows real hard. Um, I'm really looking forward to Fire Prism and never being able to get onto them because they're too too big and they can't go up floors anymore. So they'll have to go over them now, which means they get to die. Uh, that'll be great. Yeah. I thought we were going to talk about Eldar, Enos. I'm just talking about like the, the physical model of a Fire Prism, <laughs> Sam. We're going to get to talking about Eldar in a second. Uh, Is there sure. anything else you want to touch on from the core rules that like, stood out as being super interesting so far? Um... I was going to say how you cannot end on the middle central objective on the objective marker. Um, all those objective maps where you only have the circle dot, those poor things without yeah. the forty mil radius. Yeah. I'm sorry. We'll be selling. Uh, we'll be selling Statcheck branded bits of paper. You can glue back to the middle. Of them. <laughs> Stick to the middle. <laughs> Just staple all of them in. You know. <laughs> um, I will also. I think the one of the more interesting changes is the strategic reserve change, where you now you can have fifty percent of your army reserve, but only twenty five percent of it can be strat reserve. Which does meaningfully make deep strike like deep strike and outflank, especially like outflank has been kind of a miserable mechanic for the past few months with arcs, where like it was kind of okay, but you had to spend CP on it, so it was it ever really worth it. Um, whereas now it's um, like actually got a purpose because you can only have twenty five percent of the reserve. Uh, I predict people using a lot of that with the amount of alpha that looks to be in the game in the moment. Uh, but it does mean things like a five hundred point, like a five hundred and ten point imperial knight wouldn't be able to shoot reserve anymore, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um something I'm like that probably how... in that sort of points range. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that all shakes out. The um the changes to transports and uh falling back also pretty big. Tri pointing is now like basically fucking useless. Or uh, entirely it's useless. 
it's not entirely useless. Like you're still automatically battle shock and you take more damage, right? But you're not all killing units anymore unless you can block the six. Yeah, you'd have to block a six inch, right? Yeah, which is oh, I was saying a lot is, uh, Sorry, wrapping transports is still good, but uh, tripointing models for preventing fallback doesn't do anything. Uh, they have to desperate breakout to fall back at that point, though, right? So they take Don't damage. they always? Oh, only if they're battle shock. Yeah, right? only no. You have to desperate breakout if you're battle shock or if you're trying to move through enemy models. Gotcha. Those are the two criteria for desperate breakout. And um, desperate breakout is much worse now. Obviously, ones, twos, and threes failing instead of just traditional ones and twos. Yeah, yeah, that shit hurts. It's ones and twos. It, which one? One of them it's kills ones you. And twos. One of them you, right? It's ones and twos for desperate breakout, but it's models. Transports is ones, twos, and threes, but it's mortal wounds. But they ah, apply to the go. unit that takes them now. Um, yeah, no, I know, right? It's one of those like really annoying ones where they're, why are these different? So yeah. when you do a desperate breakout check now, which is if you have to move through any model, or if you're battle shot while falling back, on a one or two, a model from the squad dies for each one or two you roll for each model. So you move out 10 Gretchen, 10 dice every one of you kills a guy. If you're in a transport and that transport dies and you can't get out within three because you're fully wrapped, you then do the extra distance. I think it's, I don't actually know if it's called an emergency disembarkation sure, but an emergency disembarkation fundamentally. You then go six away, but you roll a dice for each mortal in each squad and on a one, two, or three, they take a mortal wound instead. So it's not like it is now where you would roll, you know, if you rolled 15 dice and you had, you know, 15, 10 grots and five mega knobs inside there, you could just kill all grots. You would now apply the damage to the crop and negative separately. So, Could you not also roll? Uh, you can force people into places now, right? Because then with the option to emergency disembark, yeah. you'd be like, everything fits here. That's where you go. Yeah, exactly. And then you could then pile in into it with your unit that charged and then and punch their the lights out. Control. Yeah. So transports are a lot weaker in the fight. Game. I think that's a very interesting mechanic. They're still They're just a lot less good in the melee things. armies. They remain very good into shooting armies, right? Yeah, they're still. They're, I mean, they're still pretty good in the melee armies, right? Like, if you can't, if you've only got one big melee unit, it's going to be right. still just as hard. But if you're playing like a a million idiots army, right, it's a lot harder to stop. Transport yeah. gets its lights punched out, then the rest of the units pile into you, especially if they can restrict where you could get out, because there's a yeah. perfect space for your entire squad here. Um, so they have to come here, which is conveniently in range of my gene stealers. Hey, yeah. Um, or just like even world leaders, right? World leaders right now, they see a transport and they're like, rats! <laughs> Whereas like in that scenario, they can actually hit someone. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe grab it with anger or not that you still fall back anymore. Um, we've not actually seen any mechanics that stop fallbacks yet, have we? Uh, I don't recall having seen one. I don't remember any. I guess if their movement is low enough, you could hit them with barbed guns. Maybe you could stop a death guard squad falling back from you. Yeah, if you hit them with some artillery to give them minus two move, and then hit them with some barb gauntlets, give them another minus two, they ain't going anywhere. Exactly. So um, there will probably still be some instances for this. I, the, the one I like at the moment, actually, for the fly change, is that um, if you're not starting or ending on the train piece, you just can't go over it at all. You have to start or end on it to use the fly rules currently. What? Yeah, so in order to go over terrain, you have to either start or finish on the terrain piece. There's no rules for doing it if you don't start. If you're just going over it as part of the move, you can't fly over terrain at all. You have to start around on it to use the fly roll. <laughs> Why? So fly is basically just for going over models. It's like everything can move through friendly models except for vehicles and monsters, I think, now. Um, and then fly allows you to go over enemy models and your own vehicles and monsters. That is basically all fly does now. Stop thinking of it as anything else. It also like probably makes you worse into a bunch of things because things get benefits against fly stuff. I hate. I hate. I love it. I think this shit's great. Like it will not last. This will not be here forever. This is the funny stuff that happens right in the beginning of a new rule set. It will be fine. 
enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it'll be uh, fine after the most important event of the year is done. It's fine. Sure, but there's a, there's a WTC every year, and it'll still be fun. I'm right. sure the WTC will FAQ or make a good ruling that makes it justifies. Okay, this is how it works. Yeah, for sure. WTC will not leave things that are just inherently completely effed, except maybe the Eldar Codex. Speaking of which, let's talk about the data sheets. Oh, so, fuck. the Kansas City Open played a few preview games. One was Death Guard against Demons, which looked like a really cool game where the Death Guard sure did stand there a bunch and Demons did stuff. Um, Balakor looks as good as we thought he did. Um, so, yeah, guys. Balakor. Banana. change is going to be a hell of a lot cheaper if that's his data sheet. Uh, I can't see that man being 350 points with the damage jeopardy he has. Um... Yeah, I think interesting to, oh, interesting to note there. So obviously, I think we're, we're doing some rough calculations. So for points-wise, I mean, as a whole army, so the Chaos Demons army was roughly what 2,000 points is currently ninth edition. So I don't know, like Death Guard was also very similar. I think we roughly mapped out to. But also Flamers yeah. got a ton worse. So, Did um, they? Like in terms of output. Like as a unit, they are still completely playable. Like I don't think they're a... They're not a weaker unit, but in terms of like what they do their role has changed, right? In a way that makes them probably cheaper. Yeah, I mean, they don't just, like, one-shot an armager. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm getting at, right? They auto-hit again. That part's awesome. They auto-hit, but they lost strength, they lost AP, they lost three shots a model. Like, they are definitely a weaker unit now. Now, that doesn't mean they're a worse unit. Like, please don't get get me on that. I still think Flamers, from what we saw in them, Flamers, Screamers, Fleshhounds, all look like the standard traffic garbage they should be, but Currently, they're an elite. They're an elite infantry unit, right? Um, so by getting weaker and cheaper, they stay at the same power level while being a worse unit in quotes. So yeah. I think Flamers have done a good job of that, which probably means that while it's about twenty one hundred in today's money, it probably roughly equates, especially with the order change, looking like it takes just a massive damage output nerf. Um, I say massive, a pretty big damage output nerf in the sense that it's now a roll to hit, roll to wound. They get saves damage output versus. <laughs> what it is now which is take 10 morals um so yeah yeah the, i can uh, see that pretty much being the difference like flamers a bit weaker a little bit change a bit weaker it looks like about 2k now yeah that's reasonable um, pink horrors are still pink horrors and they still split but there is some weird janky ruling about how a unit can't shoot it's a little rules typo isn't it so correct me if i'm wrong they have psychic weapons anthony their their guns are keyword psychic and the right. rules for psychers in the core rules say weapons with a psychic weapon are can only be fired by psychers, which means that you can't like give them to a rhino with firing deck or whatever. But the uh-huh. do not have the psychic keyword, which means that they technically can't fire their guns. Neither can flamers. That seems like that might get changed, but I I feel like that's the kind of thing where you're allowed to slap your opponent if they say that to you. Yeah. Um, unless the intent is like you can only fire them while they have an attached character who is a psyker, but that doesn't seem real. That would be funny. <laughs> that would be great. I would really enjoy that just for the sheer drama of it. But I'm a petty bitch, so. Yeah, they could maybe um, do something similar, like how previously you could only have obsec if the iridescent horror was still alive, or there was at least one pink in the squad. Maybe right. they could do something like that for it. If they wanted to keep that theme. Yeah. Pinks now also just change to the Blue Horror data sheet when you've lost all your pinks. They just, like, data sheets, now that one, go away, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, there were also guard rules. Or there were also death guard rules. Um, I don't care. None of them particularly filled death me cards, really interesting. Death guards suck. Like, their faction identity is being bad. And being bad in a way that isn't even fun. Like, sometimes armies are fun, like, 
are bad and you can kind of be like, wee, and do dumb shit with them. Death Guard like are just like, they were great. Terrible, yeah. but great. Death Guard are just slow and shit. Like that, ugh. Just what? <laughs> what to be fair, that is, the, that is Nurgle in a nutshell. Like that's what it should be. I, but <laughs> like, because they're slow shit and not powerful. Now, there is obviously the caveat that if this army is just ungodly cheap, it would still be fine, right? Like you can make anything playable with points. It probably isn't based on the army that we saw them play. I would wager that you could probably beat 4,000 points of Death Guard with 2,000 points of most other armies. I I think you're probably wrong just on sheer, like, quantity of body. Like, you saw what happened when Necrons just got stuff, right? Like, I think you're... Yeah, but they also got like, secondaries. Like, if you yeah. didn't do that, they wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. I don't know. I, you you could get me up to, like, 2-5, two, 2-8. Two, two, 4,000 is too much. You're playing 2 or 2 games. Like, that's a, that sounds like a tiny bit, Anthony. Oh, that's that's a bit rough for a tattoo bet. I try to keep the tattoo bets to things I should win. I just get scammed. <laughs> oh, Anthony, we'll play that game. Yeah, you get two thousand points of anything except Eldar, and I'll take four thousand points. Of whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't say what it was playing against. You said any army, literally just now. Mm. That might have been ambitious. <laughs> anything might have been strong. <laughs> or I think you might. I think you said most armies. Which okay, fair. But if I take like the top three off, you happy with number four? I think I could do it with CSM. I'm willing. To, I'm willing to willing to make that happen. I think we could play that game. I'd have to try it. I don't think it would be worth our time, but we could definitely do it. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> so after what if I'm right? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm going to write it. We send the battle report to GW. They're just like, please come fix. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the only issue I saw that was like even. Like, so we had already seen the Flavor Crawler, which I still think looks fine. The Flavor Crawler is a good That's good. The yeah. Lord of Virulence looked pretty good. Wound rerolls for his squad and plus one to hit for your blast weapons. And in shooting. Also pretty good. Yeah, plus one to hit and uh, indirect for your blast weapons. Uh, re rerolls in shooting, yeah. Um, I was vaguely okay with the Death Shroud. Like, they get minus one to wound while they have an attached character. They seem like a fine, annoying skirmishing unit. Plague Marines <laughs> don't seem terrible. That's what and I then, want out of my death shroud, like, dude. Rest. A fine, annoying skirmishing unit. The, the problem is, is that there's a whole bunch of, like, all these, like, melee units are, like, damage to strength five. And you look at that and you're like, cool, so how do you kill a tank, buddy? Like, ever. Lethal uh, hits and uh, nice one, toughness. Nice one, toughness, lethal hits, and you're like, I sure do hope I roll a bunch of sixes. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it adds up to a cohesive plan. Um, I know Rob Jones, who played them on the stream game, was like, I quite like Plague Marines and Rhinos. They seemed like they did a job, and Plague Recalls were fine, um, which, you know, makes sense. It's the kind of things I would expect. But ten he had like a 10 brick of death shot of Blight Shroud, which just didn't look good. Um, yeah. uh, Martin Super Chats asked how he will keep his Secret Spain Death Orders. I was super impressed with the Keeper Secret Spain. Having a campaign in the current meta looked really nice. They get a good use of shadow of the shadow thing. Yeah. Um, they're also, not gonna like. like want to see Shalaxy. Yes. Yeah. My my kind of like general feeling on it is you shouldn't expect them to be a like anything more than a light vehicle killer. But everything up to that, they are incredibly good at, and they're very resilient for what looks to be about the same power kind of points as now. Which I think is you no know, completely reasonable. They have a ton of damage three attacks that are between strength six and eight. So like, they can also probably... a bit of dev wounds access like. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can pretty reasonably kill, like, I would say, like, up to an Armager. Like, you're probably going to two-round an Armager. And then everything, anything below that, you're probably one-rounding. 
which I think is a pretty good place to be. Like, it's not, you know, you want to you kill big things, Bloodthirster's there, right? But the Keeper Secrets being a five of Fuel of Pain, tanky, tanky get running about seems pretty good. Yeah. Oh, Grit and Claim 1 is yep. pretty good as well for Death Guard. I really like that data sheet. Um, especially with the stuff they previewed for it. Like, I just generally quite like that guy. Right. Guard versus Eldar was the second game. Um, I believe this game ended with a 40-point difference for Nick. I, I have a funny context for this game. I don't know if Nick said it on stream, but he was, like, originally planning to chill, and then Ganyo shot the shit out of him turn one, and he was like, I guess we're not chilling, and then just tabled him. <laughs> Which is hilarious if you know both those people. So, um, if you want additional context on this, Art of War just did a stream today or yesterday with um, Ridvan and Nick going through a tier list of all the preview rules. And when they got to Eldar, Nick just like had a rant. It was fantastic. You should definitely go and watch it. It's on Art of War's YouTube channel. Um, go find it. It's like 26 minutes into the video or something like that. It's great. It's just Nick being like, completely over the army he played and the faction mechanics in general um because they just do everything i don't yeah. understand I mean, what this army's meant to be bad at but it's not, it's not warhammer <laughs> so like the war walker might be the tankiest issue you've seen for no good reason it's just like randomly like toughness eight minus one to wound and a four for vulnerable save for like a thing that's currently 50 points just punch uh, it it's fine um, Eldrad gives you three additional fate dice for no good reason, and then and then we saw the D cannon. Then we saw the D cannon, ladies and gentlemen, and it just—if that gun is—if that model is less than 150 points, there is a fundamental failure. Like at 150, I think you'd run a squad of three, and I don't think you'd run more. Anything uh, less you, than that, you like, know, for a fact, Manny would show up with nine. Sure, <laughs> I think at that point you would start running into enough problems that that would not be a great list. But, yeah. I think it'd still be a good list. I don't think it'd be a great list. I would comfortably take that, I think. I think you could probably get away with having, like, probably. 600 points of Eldar and 1,400 points of D-Cannons and still win. Sure. So that's... So, yeah, so for those who aren't aware, what's so good about D-Cannons? Like, what, what's made them so amazing? So, not only did this gun gain strength in the edition where everything got weaker... Uh, you all right, Anthony? Um, so it went from strength 12 to strength to strength 16 for whatever reason you could imagine. Uh, it's still AP4, like where everything else lost AP. It still hits on threes where mortars like moved to fives. Um, the Vulcan beams moved to fives. Now this indirect staying on threes. It's still heavy as well. So it actually hits on twos almost all the time. Minus one for indirect. Oh no, I'm sorry. It only hits on threes. Um, it's AP4, so who really gives a toss about cover? And then it's blast and devastating wounds with D3 shots at D6 plus two damage. So, like, five-man squad, it's guaranteed D3 plus one shots. Well, A6 to wound, it's a dead squad. Just, like, straight up. But did you know they have fake dice? Just in case you were worried about variants being in there? Nah, Eldrak gave you three more. And a is going to make that two-year-old a six every turn to just guarantee a dead squad a turn. Plus whatever sixes you naturally roll. And then the is also guiding them on a two-plus to make them four-year-old a hit. It... It, in addition, where they were like, so we don't want every gun to kill everything. This anti-tank gun also one-shots infantry squads for free, for fun. Also, if you're a big thing, you're not thrilled about it ignoring all your saves. Yeah, exactly. 
it's it's disgusting at every end. Like it's not bad. It's good at killing elite models. It's good at killing horde models. It's good at killing big models. It's in the is it the only only limiting factor on this thing is a twenty four inch range. That is it. But conveniently, twenty four inch range is the range you can Overwatch at. So who cares? I'm yeah, interesting. Sure like Phantasm. <laughs> so tell us Phantasm in this. Tell us about the fun of Phantasm. I, I, I can't. I, I just I don't understand the choices. So it's a one CP strategy that you use at the end of your opponent's movement phase, and you make a normal move of up to seven inches, and that's it. There are like the only other version is that you can't heroically intervene on a turn to use the strategy. So you can't use it to shove the avatar with minus one to wound down your opponent, which would be hilarious. And I'm kind of there for that as the application, and I'm kind of glad that's the only thing you can't do with it because that would at least be funny. Um, but yeah, no. So like, you try to get your like twenty four range guns, like maybe. Um, you try to like sneak up some, I don't know, like obliterators. We saw their guns, they look pretty good, 24 inch range. Walk them up next to a decan, it overwatches you, they move seven away, and you can't shoot it back. You know, just stuff like that. You know, stuff like that. Fun. And also, notably, Overwatch now also at the start of the phase. So before anything moves, you can just Overwatch it casually. So, and you can still Overwatch indirect, correct? Yeah, Overwatch yep. is start or end over the movement of the unit. Yeah. So, yeah, so, it's, so it's start, uh, the move, or start or end of the movement. So, yeah. You just bef- you're also almost two rounds of shooting into one unit if you really want to before it does anything else. Yeah, and then sure, Overwatch only hits on sixes unless you're Dire Avengers or Mortars, I guess, from Guard. I don't care about Mortars, they're Bolters, fine. Uh, yeah, it's one, it's a one to be strategy. It might be the best strategy they've ever printed. I think it's stronger than Overrun was. Yeah, and that's like Overrun, and it's like Overrun, and it's probably the best strategy they printed in ninth edition. That's... But. Hmm? I said vets. Vets was pretty wild for a bit. What well, vets of the ages? Yeah, in eighth oh. edition, yeah, vets was pretty busted. Like yeah. there, there's been some pretty busted strategies over the years. Like double shooting anything in eighth edition was pretty f. But right. it's, you know, I think movement is the strongest thing in forty k. It's the best movement strategy we've ever printed. Um, I mean, like we've seen a bunch of stuff that gets like free end of movement phase movement, like rangers and termagants, which is, you know, strong, but understandable like it's limited it's random distance like you know what's happening you have to end a move with a knife this is just pick a unit on the board it moves seven it's not restricted to like it could be a wraith knight it could be a farseer it could be you know steal an objective do whatever you want it's utterly bonkers i i don't understand what you were thinking at all with this strategy yeah, I think uh, it's, it's also going to be interesting to see how the game plays out. So obviously we saw the two games, but that second game, notably, they, the objectives move. So it's a very interesting way in which primary and the equivalent tertiary is being done. So uh, did you, and also how fixed and tactical secondaries, I believe they're called now. So how that's like the old school, like Tempest of All Maelstrom cards versus a fixed format with only two secondaries. So yeah, it all seems like what, what did you think of those changes? That. What was that? Sorry, Ines? It all seems like stuff Eldar is going to be great at. Yes. And also, I think it's also noting whether the fixed and tactical secondaries, you can almost like choose two from the same category. So behind enemy lines and engage in all fronts is you can just choose both or um, like ones which were previously locked based on like a general category. You can just choose them both. I think behind enemy lines and engage in most appointments will end up being wishful thinking a lot of the time, unless you're heavily winning the game anyway, which a lot will be. So like, that's fine. But generally committing like four units a turn through scoring points by standing places is pretty hard like it's a non-trivial amount of things well, to commit to the board i don't agree with that scoring you can score engage with bell right i, I get that you can but it's going to be like so you're committing like a unit to two quarters probably and then a third to the deployment zone and then maybe another one of the ones you have to have you two units you don't need to get 
you don't need to get all four. You can still partial score for three if you need if it's too risky, right? That's fair. Yeah, I'll just say the options there now, which is gonna be yeah. I think that's how, that's but... crazy strong. Like the ability but, to play yeah. fixed is very good. It, it's yeah, very good. Then... I, I think tactical has a lot of flexibility. Like it gives you access to a ton of really strong situational cards. Where if you can take advantage of it in a good, in a, from a good position with you know good control of the game, you'll be able to score a ton more points on them easier. But there will be times where fixed secondaries are just great. Like you can probably, if you can build for two specific fixed secondaries, or your opponent gives you two fixed secondaries, it's probably great, right? Like there yeah, will be some issues where, like cleanse is cleanse and a kill secondary is really good. Cleanse is the one where you do a pseudo action on objectives outside your opponent's zone. There will be some maps, some map like map setups where that's pretty easy. There'll be some where that's difficult, and then you'll like build into another one that you might be able to get. But sometimes it will just be better to play fixed to be to play the random ones because your opponent doesn't give up a great kill or you're an army that doesn't have the capacity to dive two units and four points over behind the lines every turn, that kind of thing. Uh, it also does give you access to CP, which will cannibalize your secondaries because it's really hard to score a ton of points on secondaries while also discarding one uh, or burning one a turn for a CP, but it does give you access to that if you don't have any inbuilt ways to get it. Yeah, a lot, uh, I think a lot of armies do have access to CP yeah. cheating. Yeah, so like, but there is kind of like, there are there are armies that have ways to get it, and there are armies that there will be armies that don't want to run those ways, right? There will be some that those ways are on mediocre units or inaccessible, and the times you get to play fixed secondaries will help a lot with that. Especially since we now know we're starting with zero CP and just getting one per turn. Yeah. Um, so that access to CP is, is pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a good mechanic. I think they've done a like on first pass without having played it. It looks like they've hit the balance pretty well on. It seems like there is reasons to take fixed secondaries and reasons to take tactical secondaries on in most games. You will at least have to a little bit think about it and be like, hey, I have built for this, but the situation is actually saying that I could maybe play the tactical ones here because my opponent's army is really good at, you know, like denying me doing this, right? Like maybe your opponent's playing an army that really, really wants you to come up close and you can't afford to throw units at it and it's got indirect so it'll kill your chaff pretty quick. So you don't want to play engagement behind lines, you want to play a different game. Which gives you the option of looking into it, and I think that's a really cool dynamic. I really enjoyed Maelstrom Second Race. I really look forward to giving it a try, and I'm hopeful that it will play as well as it looks like it does. If it doesn't, it's fine. GT packs get tweaks, right? We'll see what happens, and where it is in six yeah, months' time will be a bigger indication of how good a mechanic it is than where it is on launch. Yeah, yeah, I think they've done a pretty good job overall. They, they've accounted for like non-starters. I know there's a couple of secondaries where it has a caveat saying if you can't score it, you discard the card or you do an alternative action. I think it's funny though, the one mission where you potentially move objectives into the opponent's territory to only score it. There are secondaries though, it's like hold an objective in no man's land. What if you literally cannot do it and you still you can't yeah, discard the card? I think there's a rule. I think I remember reading a Goonhammer thing that says if you physically can't do it, you can just discard it. But there were some of them were like, if you get this on turn one, you can discard it because it's just not yes. possible. Like storming the enemy objective, it's just like you don't need to do this turn one. Um, okay, you cool. Have to do it on That's turn great. Two, which cool, great. But I think it will be. There's also like there's a. I think you can spend a CP to discard it to once per game. You can discard a card and redraw as well, and you can spend a CP to do it again. So there are ways to access more on top of that. The fixed secondaries also, for what it's worth, are other than the like kill ones are capped at four a turn and you get five turns so you need to perfectly score every single one every turn to max secondaries now which is a lot harder than it is in the current edition where like behind the yeah, lines so has 20 points available and you have five turns to score it and it's out of 15 it's now it has 20 points available and you have 20 points 20 points to score and five turns to score it which means you need to perfect behind the lines in order to max it so it's a bit different now because 
Right now, so to get your total 100, it's 50 points for primary, 40 points on your secondary, and then 10 points for battle ready. Yeah. Or secondaries. So how does it work for your tactical secondaries? So tactical secondaries are the ones which you flip through and you change each battle round for people who are unaware. Um, how does it work? You just score the amount, then you discard it, correct? Like, it's not a capped yeah. amount per se. You just, yeah, you, you, get score to a you just get to a turn now. They so you say theoretically you have, like... Yeah. They say how much they're capped at if they are. Yeah. So, like, if you draw no prisoners, which is one of the fixed tactical ones, it's just two points for every unit you kill to a cap of five points, which is a pretty good card to have access to. That's not available in the big tactical deck, right? So there are a bunch of cards that are just good scoring ones that you will get, and you get a lot of flexibility in playing. Like, if you have a general game plan to, like, you want to play the game on primary, you don't really have a great secondary plan, playing tactical secondaries is probably a good way to get, like, a comfortable 30 out of 40 on your secondaries and play the game in the way you want to play it about. Whereas having a fixed secondary plan and being like, hey, I'm going to worry about my secondaries and try to like deny you primary. Like, it gives some cool, new, interesting ways to approach the game. Or an army like Death Guard for like most of the edition, or Nids towards the end, which just didn't have a good secondary plan and couldn't build one from the things they had available. Yeah. Now you can just be like, hey, I'm going to take a bit of variance in this, but there's a lot of power available in here at pretty random times. But I've there's heard like secondaries from like halfway through the edition, their army just. No, but, but like the start <laughs> of the edition, they had pretty crap ones, right? Like, I'm, I'm just pulling examples from yeah. throughout the period, right? Um, so I don't know. I think it's a good mechanic. I look forward to seeing how it works. Just give me but primary secondary is fake. We just gambit, bro. Just gambit. That was why Guard lost that game in Eldar because he went for a gambit and it just didn't work out. Yeah. So there, there are sixteen cards. You will see ten of them through the game, um, plus potentially more if you do discards and redraws. So you're pretty likely to see almost every card. So you can probably reliably like. There are a few in here that are worth like eight points if you do them, a bunch that are pretty easy fives if you get them. There's one that's like take a new objective just outside your bloom zone for three points and stuff like that, which is pretty good. Also, I think I had a quick look at it, engages two points for three quarters and four for all four. So it's you know pretty limited if you're only getting the three quarters on it. I'm just saying, like if it's super risky, you yeah, exactly. Like, oh, like it's still there. it's still passive scoring, but it yeah. kind of brings up the question of like how we don't know from context how much you need to score in 10th edition, right? Like we don't really yeah. know what the metric looks like. Like in 40k for ninth edition, you can kind of reasonably understand if you hit about 85, you're probably going to win the game, barring some weirdness, right? Like that's probably like a pretty. I think we have the exact stats on this, but like I usually consider like 85, like the baseline of aiming for, and then like make sure you do some denial on the way, and then in the tougher games, like you know you maybe like push for 90, and then like anything 90 plus is usually just you know like tiebreaker points. We don't know where that line is for 10th edition, right? Like that line could be if you aren't getting 35 on your secondaries, you're not winning the game. It could be if you're not getting 20 on your secondaries, you're not winning the game. We don't know where that, like, we don't know what you have to play for yet. So we'll see. What was the, uh, just a general question? What was the etiquette back in the old ETC days with the Maelstrom decks? Would you like hand over the deck and shuffle it or cut the deck for them? Yeah. So I always, I would always count through my cards with my, like, count through my cards for everyone to be like, hey, so I have 16 cards, shuffle them, hand it over for them to cut or shuffle, and then give it back. Um, and then you would have like a score sheet which would have all of the different categories on it and as you drew it you would tick off and be like I got five points for this card for example um, just like written on the side so you wouldn't like accidentally shuffle a card back in the double score or whatever like that um, some people also would just like you could probably like with a d8 and a d6 you could randomly generate from the 16 as well so it wouldn't be that hard to just like play it off a list so yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if this is like a six monthly thing. So every six months, they produce a new card pack or a new mission pack. Uh, hopefully, the supply chain issues are fixed for that because it would suck now that potentially you don't get the mission pack, but also the card deck, and people have to find yeah, alternative ways to do so. Yeah, I could definitely see them just putting in like White Dwarf or something like that. Um, but they did that with the second with the tactical objective cards or. Um, what is that? Like, we don't get White Dwarf in Australia. They sell yeah, it. White Dwarf's there. I remember when the Crusher Stampede White Dwarf came out, like, it was yep. gone so quickly. I mean, we Three couldn't copies. get 2 and Harpies for, like, two years for good reasons. So, in civilized countries. Um, um, but, I mean, realistically, it's the kind of thing you could print and play super quickly, right? Like, you could, like, they produce a new copy, they put a template on the website, like, you can print this, cut it out, and play it, right? You just get some card sleeves and it's a game with some energy or land cards or whatever or right. spare egyptian god cards i don't really know um back all your cards with like the piece of exodia i think that would be the, the optimal uh, um but yeah i think it's a cool mechanic i, I like it. it it gives me the warm fuzzies because i enjoyed the maelstrom i know it gives anthony the fear and the y'all are snowflakes a little bit but... i just like, i played a competitive card game when i wanted to that's why it's like annoying, but we'll see how it goes. Maybe it's fine. I think it'll be better than you think it is, and a little worse than I think it is. Um, it'll be. I mean, yeah, that's a fucking. There's a lot of room between those yeah, two points, exactly. though, probably. Yeah, I'm interested cool. to see how it plays out and that dichotomy of whether to take fixed or tactical. I'm sure we'll figure it out soon enough. We also what we don't do have the GT pack yet, which will, I believe, have examples of fixed missions. So I know there's a bunch of like you can draw the cards and get like money right. fields over that. Um, so oh yeah, was... that one's real fucking stupid. By the way, on live, <laughs> yeah, I they, they showed that one on the uh, they showed that one on the web on the thing. It's a, if you're a six to advance, you take a mortal wound. It's just fantastic. I love it. It's the Why? worst kind of randomness. Yeah, um, it's it's so awful. But I don't. I think that's the kind of one that you'll play if you're playing the random cards. But tournaments will not use that one in a fixed environment. I think that's just kind of the thing. Um, which I think is fine, right? I think it's okay for those kinds of things to exist as long as they're not, as long as they're a little bit insulated from the tournament yeah, format. Put them in Crusade, let Nathan fuck up casuals with them, bro. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's okay for them to be in the card deck. If we're all, if we're not using the card deck to generate missions, then yeah, bro, cares, right? Like, it's just dude, I have this thing. card right here. No one should ever use this. Exactly. And it's even got a six on it, just like Minefield. That's uh, right. What we were learning, guys, anything with a six on it is a bad card that you should not have. Yeah. Uh, Right. We should we should probably questions at some point. Yeah, We're we forty five minutes into our thirty minute segment. Eh, it's whatever. Sam said he had an hour and a half, so I stopped. I stopped caring too much. Um, all right, I'm gonna do the plugs, and then we're gonna. So I'm sorry. Can you see Anna? Hi, Anna. <laughs> Hi, cat. Casual conjuring. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, she's sneaking up on me. Um. Oh. What you didn't see is her almost trip going backwards because she's not the most coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ. So if you're an hour and fifty minutes of the show, you're probably enjoying what we do, which I really appreciate. So thank you all for being here. Um Anthony's gonna blow you kisses. Uh it's desperately appreciated. If you enjoy what we do enough to support us a little bit more, we would really appreciate that. The first thing you can do is check us out at Patreon at patreon.com slash statcheck. There you'll get access to our Discord as well as all of the bonus content from people like Typhus on the Anime Matrix. It's a wonderful community that's great to be part of. We create all the reveals from Kansas City. Um, had a lot of people discussing them. It's been super awesome having too many good to on it. Um, there's always fantastic little painting models showing off their pets. It's great. It's a great community. We're super proud of it. Uh, we recently brought in some moderators, so it's a little less mental than it was before, but still in a good way. Um, so 
yeah, we really recommend you check it out if you're at all interested in hearing and speaking more to us. Um, so please do. If uh, that's not in not in scope for you, then we would love you to check out the YouTube channel. Drop us a like, drop us a subscription, put a comment on the on the most recent YouTube video. We really appreciate all of that. It's a big help for us in terms of discoverability and getting out there and um, help helping more people see what we do and hopefully seeing the. Brian, please stop making fun of me while I'm doing the plugs. It makes it worse. Um, <laughs> um, it helps us out with like even just things like the motivation to make more content with 10th edition coming out we were hopefully going to be doing a ton we will i think we're going to be revealing our roadmap for 10th edition like post release next week on the show so hopefully we'll have it in place by then um so yeah that youtube is the place to be for that and that's youtube.com slash that check you'll also find the other shows there on the network that is end of the matrix which is run by typhus and is all about team tournaments uh if you've got anything coming up like for example wtc and you're really worried about it and you want to know more you should check that out also, XM1, which is hosted by Tim Penny and Cliff, which covers all the things about creating to being good at 40k while also having a life, something that I personally cannot relate to, which is why I'm not on that show. Cool. Other than that, if you're interested in coaching, um, you know, the thing I do for food, um, please do check out snapchatcheckcom slash coaching. You can get in touch with either myself or Typhus. With 10th edition coming up, there's never been a better time to get started. Uh, and we would love to help you out with this intense period of discoverability. If you want to be the person being the problem, it's a great place to do it. Lastly, we produced a couple of extra bits of content, so I'll check that again. Art of War Down Under with Anna Camilleri. We recently did that on um, the Art of War Network, which was myself and Anthony going through a retrospective of 9th edition, going through our personal highlights, our personal lowlights, and all the awesome things that we've had the opportunity to be part of. Personally, I think it was one of the better pieces of content we've ever done. It was super, super interesting. Adam is a fantastic host who gets the most out of the people on there, which is to say he made us talk better than we talk on here, uh, which is great. Uh, I also wrote an article about how to not worry about 9th edition, 10th uh, edition so much, which is on stat-tech.com slash, I think it's articles, uh, but I'll put a link to that. We'll get a link to that in the comments uh, or in the description. There we go. Um, with that, which is just a little bit about how to go through an edition transition and lean into it a little bit, understand that things are going to be mental and hope for the best. Uh, I wish I'd seen the decan and data sheet before I wrote that, but whatever, live and learn. <sighs> Anthony, we can't all just be miserable all the time, okay? I appreciate that. I am so often positive. <laughs> I know you are. That's why I hate it when you're not. And I'm trying to just make sure that life is simpler for you so that you can just be the positive person we all need you to be because you're the best influence on the show by far and we would like you to stay that way and let me and jeremy and nathan be the downers the doomers yeah exactly with that said we're going to move on to questions if you would like to get your question answered on the show there are two brilliant ways to do that one is you can check us a super chat on the youtube or on i don't think twitch has that but on youtube check us a super chat we'll definitely get to your question or ask it in the show questions on discord for the patrons so with that said, I don't have my phone open, so I'm going to go open my phone now. We are professionals, I swear. Um, technically, yes, but not at this bit. Did we tell people Sam was on the show this week so that they could ask questions to Sam? Great. <laughs> We're so good at this. No, it's okay. I'm nobody. Rose. But yeah, for guys, um, the Art of War Down Under segment, so there's part one and two for this the last uh, episode that Adam Kamalari is doing of Ninth Edition, which is exciting. And then also Tony V himself is going to be on next week's episode for a 10th edition call rules. So if you didn't hear enough about call rules, uh, he and John Lennon are going to be about, up talking about all, all the fun shenanigans that may be coming up. 
curious villain arc was going to enable Texas to the Twitch chat. That would definitely be an interesting show. We should definitely do like one of those call-in segments where we just let people from Twitch chat jump into a Skype call with us and just run to us for five minutes. I think that'd be fantastically awful, yeah. and we might do that for like Christmas this year or something like that. Yeah. You I get could see one that minute. Being awful. You get one minute to tell us your favorite thing about 40k, uh, and then we get to slap you in real life next time we see you. Right. Oh. We got a question in chat for Sam. We're going to start with that one because it's for Sam, and I'm sure only some of the other ones are. How do you like your steak, Sam? Rare. Absolutely rare. Good, look, good rare steak is perfect. So Good man. Uh, my wife likes well done, and uh, I've tried to convince her multiple times, but no. no. I don't know. That That's no. A well done steak is not a steak. Just have a burger. Chill out. Yeah, if you uh, if you get a steak well done, we're in the parking lot for sure. Like, what are you doing? Not well, I assume. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Frank asks, sorry if this gets wordy, but three-part question. Okay, now that we've seen all the faction focuses, what factions are you super high on? Long time in us. Yep. What factions are you super high on? Eldar, Jinxar cults, demons, space marines... Marines. I think the CSM rule is really good. It's like, really good. It just doesn't excite me. Just stapling sustained or lethal as needed to things is really good. Like, oh, that's really good. And I need the stand and buff. I'm like, yeah, we might lose Jerry in the back with the chainsword, but that's okay. Like, we didn't need him to start with. Yeah. I'm actually curious about Grey Knights. I do like their faction mechanic of being able to go back into strike reserves of three deep strike three units seems amazing it seems they're like de- a, such a great tempo play but their we'll detachment rule also makes them crazy fast like auto advance six with f- fly is like pew! like GK, gkt sons and um custodies are definitely like in my like a tier of things that i think were great but the other four just like stick in my it, like yeah as much as it breaks my ass here as much as it breaks my heart, I'm actually looking at playing, like, adding Custodies to the Wheelhouse of Factions that I play. I think the Custodies will just look really awesome. Same yeah, they're cool. Very nice, very nice and P-Suns. Um, yeah. Doom-bolting th- people from 36 inches away is going to be hilarious. You're going to yeah. be like, I got my independent operative lion, and Tyson's players like, Mutant of War, XP's and Aramon say, zap, zap, dead. And I think that's <laughs> fantastic, and I think they deserve that. I think yeah. Tyson's should get to have the coolest, like, they still have a psychic phase, quote unquote. It's a very stripped down one, but they've still got it. And it, that looks cool. I am yeah. worried about the amount of devastating wounds they might have, but worry about that later. It's a future us problem. Okay. He also asked what how, what could be Dark Horse sleepers once you've seen everything for them. I think the three that I just said probably is the ones that I would pick. I think there's an outside. So, like, the Necron preview is not very powerful, but we have to remember. Cool mechanic. Like Games Workshop wrote these rules. They're really, really bad at containing themselves with cool shit. So I could definitely foresee it's like, oh, they just get D3 back. It's no big deal. Till it triggers every time you fucking try to hit them or whatever. Like, yeah, like just... we're, we're, we've already we've seen it's D3 plus three when they're on objective. And then I'm just imagining things like Canoptic Reanimator, um, Ghost Ark, um, Resorb, Resorb, Technomancer, <laughs> being like, what if you just four times a turn instead yeah and like recursion mechanics are one of those things that exist on the knife edge where they're either like shit very tiny window where they're okay busted so like i think gsc did a pretty good job of like mostly existing in the okay it was other things in the faction that were powerful and it made them it pushed them a bit further but like that was a d6 
and it was occasional, and then bikes, it was too much. But like I'm talking like on neophytes, and it was never playable on acolytes, right? So like yeah. it was kind of like in that zone where like it was between busted and fine, and like it teetered based on like how good the rest of the army was. Necrons are very much going to be in the same boat, and I think GSCR as well. GSCR, I think I'm leaning towards being the powerful side of that because yeah. they have double recursion. Like you can't kill their units and you can't not kill their units. It's a bad combination for like dealing with them. You're um, like your way to deal with them is to have absolute board control and to look like a horde army, which is tough. Yeah. I'm curious to see if that ends up getting a hit. GSC is one of those mechanics on paper where I could see them being like, "All right, if you died twice, you're dead." Like enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely see, like, the second, like, you can come back once, and that would probably be right. fine. It'd still be insanely powerful. Yeah. Um, but it would be, like, it's already probably pretty hard to come back more than once, like, just in terms of, like, the sheer timing of it. Like, assuming you don't die turn one, you die turn two, you come, you place the blip down, you come back to the end of your opponent's turn three, you so die you just again. have to be within, like, an, like, it's not wholly within, right? So you could, like, put it over there and string your ass all the way forward. You could. That also relies on us still having access to like twenty man squads, which isn't a guarantee and things like that, right? Sure. Um it also like yeah, sure, you're right. There are things you can do with it. It's still very powerful. But then that also relies on the full squad dying again and then right. coming back again. Oh, and it gets goofy. I completely skipped what I think the sleepers are gonna be and it's IK and CK. Uh I cannot begin to fathom what playing against them looks like yet. But, like, if they're one of those armies that is just, like, yikes if they're good. Like, oh, shit, it's going to be scary. I do not like the towering mechanic. I, I fucking hate that shit. A bad change. Um, we're going to... Yeah, be, you're being able to, with the towering, be able to see, like, basically, it's just true line of sight the whole time, essentially. Anything that makes we're... us interact with true line of sight more is bad. That mechanic sucks. Yeah. yeah, but we haven't we haven't seen the big boys like obviously the big Forge World models, and then have the big knights definitely got towering. Uh, I think we've seen the for the paladin. The yeah, the, so the paladin Castellan and stuff like that would have towering, but I do well, not know. We do not. Have it, but... I don't think the armagers well. do. Yeah, the thing that I'm worried about is like splashing a towering unit into other armies as well, like just a wraith knight in an elder army, for example. If you can defend it, or it's good enough from Stratazor, where it has deep strike, and you can like rapid ingress it or whatever, and just like some of them would be like, "Hey, the thing that was causing problems to me, I can see it now." I think that. What do you think the over under on the Eldar Wraith Knights cannons being like D cannons, but plus, like what, like just flat, dev flat three shot D cannons? That'd be worse than blast, but whatever. No, just like dev wound monstrosities or something just like, like anti vehicle anti monster four plus or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just, just awful, like multi-shot harpoons or whatever. Yeah, I could see it. Actually, Thompson triple exorcist plus allied knight. Yep, I know. Um, Paul, one of the team Scotland circulars, has been talking about running um a double battle cannon paladin or um double Chaos double knight. battle cannon chaos knight in his thousands ones list to turn off armor saves. Oh. <laughs> no, just like strength ten. 36 inches away, turn off your armor save, shoot you with 2d6 plus, or 2d6 plus cannons. Oh yeah, 4d6 plus. What is this rule? It's, so it, base rule, 
I believe is 2d6 plus something shot. Oh, it's d6 plus 6, yeah, rapid fire d6 it. plus 6. There we go. Yeah. And blast would be 4d6 plus 12, or 2d6 plus 12 plus whatever your blast is. Uh, strength 10, minus 1, ignoring armor saves if you damage 3. <laughs> yeah, 4d6 plus 12. Okay, cool. It, too many. It sounds yeah. great. Yeah, that was way too many numbers. I've lost track. Um, guns. Yeah, pain, suffering. Uh, there we go. It's d6 plus 3, rapid fire d6 plus 3. So it'd be 2d6 plus 6 per gun if yeah. it's in 36, which it probably will be. Um, yeah, towering is towering is bonkers. I cannot believe it got through. <laughs> um, and then what looks like them be straight up booty? Death Guard. <laughs> I think Death Guard are the only ones that I looked at and I was like, these are not going to be playable. And that's mostly because we've seen more of their data sheets. Now, I still had like a tiny amount of for a few of their things before we saw it. No. Uh, but now I kind of just like, unless they're incredibly pointed, which it doesn't look like they are from the preview game. Yeah, which I'm just sure they're not, because why would they be? Yeah. Yeah, I think Death Guard is pretty... Oh, it's not a completely safe bet, because maybe when we see everything as a whole, like the whole things, maybe we can try and link things to and fro, but it is pretty close to there. Uh, Death, otherwise, Death Guard one of those armies that I could definitely see having a build that is yeah. competitive. But not an army that is competitive. That's kind of like what sure. with Death Guard now. Whereas most of the other ones that look like they have an army that has options, Death Guard might have a build that ebbs and flows like they do now, right? Where they've kind of had a, a couple of options through and throughout. Uh, although Morty is technically currently immortal because he ignores uh, characteristic modifiers, and that's how you take wounds. So, <laughs> I, um, I know. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I think the only other one that I'm like not super optimistic about is Admech. Like, I just didn't love the mechanics, and I didn't like that a bunch of their stuff didn't have their army mechanic as well. Uh, and also, they have a worse base, they have the same base armor save as the Circolis now, which is just hilarious. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Anthony, what would Blood Angels need to make you take the BA specific detachment? So, for context, the Blood Angel specific detachment is you yeah. get um, plus one strike and attack on the charge. Uh, and you maintain and you, ultimate. And you lose charge. Yeah, you lose the doctors. Probably for me, like I know I'm not Anthony, but the thing they would need is actual advancing charge access from the rules or another speed increase, like Wrath of Ball still existing. And then I could see an argument for it. But... I don't think Wrath of Ball would be enough. You'd have to put Forlorn Fury there. Um... I don't well, know, I think Ultimate goes enough a long way to giving them like an actual shooting option now, where you could just run a shooting battery in Blood Angels now and still get something out of it, but you kind of can't now, because Ultimate is just enough to like deal with a problem a turn. Yeah, but like Gladius is a lot better than the Blood Angel rule, right? So the stratagems would have to compensate. Like or enhancements, like the, the the unique things would have to be better for it, right? Yeah, they like have the rule be, is just less powerful than the battle. Yeah, charge. yeah, they have to be a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Se oh, yeah. Sanguinary Guard and the Diff Company veterans could also just be bonkers good, just but, so efficient. You can still so run them can, in Gladius, right? Like that's Gladius. the thing, it has yeah. to be better than Gladius. Yeah, what you yeah, can run any, Diff any of yeah, the Gladius is like just chapters. space marines, like space yeah. chapters can play Gladius. Yeah, oh, you can just choose to play. So, yeah, exactly. So your so your snowflake detachment rule has to be fucking banger. Bonkers. Right. Yeah, once per game advance charge, once per game fall back and charge, fall back and shoot. Plus whatever the rest of the gladius strats are, right? Exactly. Yeah, and we've seen some of them like armor contempt, which is 
so they get access. So real good. So yeah. like there's a there's a pretty high bar. Um, detach enhancements are detachment locked. Yeah. Yeah. So each each like you get warlord trait warlord traits and relics for a detachment along with strategies for the detachment and detachment rule. So like phantasm will be locked to that elder one. If there's another elder one, it may also have phantasm. It may not, but there's no guarantee. But like if you play a different one, you may not have that. Um, yeah, Grim Resolve. What? Yeah, Dark Dark Angels are probably just playing. That's a charge that seems way better on Cavaliers. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's been your favorite thing about the podcast from Jason? Like doing the podcast? I don't know. For me, it's just the people it's given me access to. Yeah, it's definitely the the community, right? The community aspect of Stat Check is very powerful. Like more so than any of the like other things i imagine for you at some level it's got to also be the fact that you don't have to work a shit job that you hate and you have to do what you like yeah i mean but that's most of the people too right yeah, so. massive personal freedom and stuff like that yeah, is huge from a consumer's perspective, I think it's great to see you guys going independent and being able to do your own thing. So it's something you, we got we can support as a crowd and community. Also, it's amazing to see you and us do your own thing and type, being able to see more access to Team Poland and Typhus. Getting that outside perspective is amazing, as well as um, a better data collection through uh, what Curie and Nathan and the team do, as well as X and One being able to see Cliff and Tim. Any content with Tim Penny is amazing. Like he is <laughs> such a great host. It's yeah. a very great mind. So. Uh, Great to see you guys branching out, and there's more and more content to come. So very looking forward to it. I appreciate Thanks, that, man. Sam. Really appreciate. Okay, and what's been the most unexpected or surprising thing that's happened doing the podcast? Uh... Okay, for me, it's definitely the American trip. I'm not gonna. Like, that, was... <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, I don't know. The most unexpected. I mean the. The, the international psychopath murder squad that we now take to tournaments when we want to is pretty funny. Have you seen what we're doing in Poland, by the way? Me, Mycid, and Brian with Typhus as a coach for a three-man teams event in Poland? Yeah, that's a reasonable response. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like the plan for Netherlands, is it? Next yeah, year? Netherlands. Also watch. quite funny. Yeah, it's like the team from Alpine plus Dave Gaylord, Boris Michev, and Mycid. Mycid, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, right? Uh, we're just going to like show up to this thing that's like for national teams to practice and be like, what if we won? Uh, we're the United Nations Belgium or whatever the, our team name is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, Warhammer Undivided was the UN team last year. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a uh, team uh, we're, we're Slav We're Slavchek for Silesia teams. So. Slavchek. There you go. Okay. Um, Demetrius asks, I play all dedicated shooting armies from just the faction focus and info revealed. What shooting armor do you feel is looking really good right now? Eldar. Eldar, yeah. Eldar looks like the best. And then Marines and then Imperial Knights is probably. But Imperial Knights are going to be super threat dependent. Yeah. I'm sure Tau will have some busted combination of being able to link things as well. There'll be something you can oh, do Oh yeah, there. you can definitely like just not be able to read and the Tau army is way stronger as well. Like Tau players are giving us like diagrams and stuff of like, this is how I can use one unit to buff 17 of mine. And we're all like, good for you Tau player. Shut up now. <laughs> um, people are going to cheat with that rule so egregiously it's going to be awful yeah yep yeah and i know demetrius as well he has tau so um he's one of the lads from south yep. korea hanging out with mr yes, alex pass oh nice awesome okay francois asks how anthony feels about rock paper scissors perfectly balanced game no issues uh probably not great as a tiebreaker 
I'm resolving to bring Live it on. Paper, scissors for dummies at WTC. Um, I'm just gonna give it to him. I'm gonna bring him a copy for him and John and Jack. God, please. Uh, favorite zombie movie? Mm, hot. What is it? Hot fuzz. Hot fuzz. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Um, I think Hot zombie land zombie, is probably... Hot fuzz a zombie movie, guys. Like, what am I thinking of? Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> what favorite uh, zombie movie? Titanic, guys, love it. Nailed <laughs> it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I think zombie. The original Zombieland was what probably one of my favorites. I have to think about. I am Legend probably, but I have I don't really like zombies. I don't really like horror films. So. Yeah. Uh, Day to day is scary enough. You don't need these are, are wolf and werewolves, or does being called a werewolf apply the ability to transform back? Um, I think they're space wolves, which is much more damning. Sure, well, that'll do. Um, any thoughts on how to limit rules as written slash rules as intended bullshit areas that reveals continuing intent starts? Go with the flow; it'll get resolved. Just play the reasonable interpretation as long as you're not going to any huge tournaments. And if you are going to huge tournaments, just ask the TO. Yeah. Don't terminally online argue for the sake of arguing yourself into a hole. Things will resolve themselves. The problems will be ironed out. TOs will deal with this shit. That's their job. It'll be fine. Use the WTC rules packet. It'll be done within like two weeks of the edition anyway. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um... To Jeremy, we'll save that for next week. On a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you about towering? We've just done that. Do you think it will cause events to adjust the train? I hope so. I just get rid of Windows, guys. We don't need Windows anymore. We have evolved past the need for Windows. Just ignore towering. Yeah, why? Just ugh. I'd be okay with it on like two midfield ruins. That like you can see across the midfield with knights. Deployment zones, no windows, please. No windows in deployment zones. I don't even like it in midfield, man. Like, you're just never supposed to leave your deployment zone? I mean, like, two of the midfield ruins. Like, if there's, like, four ruins in midfield, oh, two of them have it, two of them don't. Sure. Like, fine. I get it. Like, they're at least mechanic there. Deployment zone should be a safe place. I don't believe in... I, I personally just don't think Army should be allowed to take damage in the deployment zones. Um, I think that would be fine. Uh, yeah. I like things being alive. Um... What are the top three most overrated army detectives? No, we're not doing more on, on, on reveals for those. Sorry, guys. Uh, with everything you've seen so far, what do you think of the impact of high toughness vehicles and monsters will have on the overall meta compared to ninth? I think it's definitely going to be a stat check and take some adjusting too. So it's obviously some de dedicated uh, anti-tough stuff shooting or melee is going to be required. And as was mentioned, like Chaos Knights and Imperial Knights, if they can just spam some War Dog spam as they similarly, ha similarly have done in Ninth Edition, we would have to cater for it and make adjustments. Yeah. I, like, I struggle to see like just tough walling working. I feel like if you do that, you just get murdered by oaths and lethal and so on and so forth. But we'll see. Yeah, I think they're the biggest issue with it will be like it looks like you just don't kill them with small arms anymore, which is fine. But small right. arms is pretty much what infantry bring to bear outside of like a couple of dedicated heavy weapons, which does mean that there's this big divide where infantry outside of like a few specific things like devastating wounds and anti vehicle stuff probably just don't interact a lot anymore. Like they interact with each other and with like medium stuff. So you're talking like Dreadnoughts, maybe armor sized vehicles like toughness eight, toughness nine is probably fine. Anything past that, you're like you are chip damage, and you have to accept that. 
and build another plan into it. But that doesn't apply back the wave, right? Like tanks kill tanks and down the way. So the upstream damage output is very different now. Where even just something like a keeper sequence or Bellacore now just randomly won't die because infantry don't just run around with three damage thunder hammers anymore. They're running around with two damage thunder hammers. Sure, devastating wounds exist, that gives spike potential, but it doesn't give you a consistent plan. You have to have a consistent plan. Yeah. Now there will be units that are better or worse than that. We'll see what happens, obviously. But I think that what that probably means is you will most likely end up not being able to just play infantry skew. You will at least have to go to like elite infantry and probably some form of anti-tank from either your own version of it or very dedicated stuff. I have no industrial questions. Why did I have industrial questions? Somebody tagged me in something. Also, WTC is yeah, I... arguing about things, which is nice. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think you're going to have to, as Ines was mentioning, you have to run some dedicated things. I felt in Ninth Edition, like the Bloodthirster, the Unkillable Bloodthirster, it would casually just pick, deal with transports or like tougher things, as well as deal with infantry. Whereas now it's not as versatile in what you can do. You can just sort of run, cool, yeah, I've got a strength down, nine, strength eight. one damage, two on its suit, which is like still good at killing infantry. But like there's now a chance that just doesn't, like it doesn't yeah, kill a Terminator squad now, nothing. where sometimes it does now. Yeah. You know, like you could bounce that into five Scarabacle Terminators and kill five Scarabacle Terminators. You now bounce to five Scarabacle Terminators, and you're probably doing big swings now, which is like killing three, killing four. Right. It, you know, it just lowers that damage ceiling, which I think is a good thing, right? Like, it's a good way to approach things. Needing more specialized units gives you things you can attack in weaker matchups. You're like, hey, I'm in a disadvantage here, but there are things in your army that are good and things in your army that are bad. I can focus on the good things and try and swing this game my way, versus like, hey, everything in your army kills everything in my army. I means I have to kill everything in your army which creates a big imbalance. Now, the fact that Devastating Wounds exists changes that dynamic, and I think that's probably the biggest issue with it, but we'll see what happens with time with that. I think that's just a mechanic that will end up being continually, continually priced upwards, hopefully, or powered down. Because it breaks the dichotomy of things aren't good at two things, they're good at one or the other. Right. And Big Blast is probably somewhere on that spectrum as well. Like All of the big heavy, all, like, all big tank weapons having Blast is kind of a problem me because it means that like five and ten man infantry squads are just as vulnerable to them as tanks are which i also don't like <sighs> fucking decannons fucking decannons yeah it's basically what i get but also like the shadow sword is like you know sure it's d3 it's like two to three shots but it's also blast so it's like flat four shots and infantry squad that's gonna kill three or four models right like, it's not a bad gun at doing that right like if all you have is a five micro stores terminator squad you're taking saves and you're taking enough saves that it's valuable shooting at it. So, and you're not killing it back. So it's just continually adding up damage. Right. Um, thoughts on fixed versus tactical? We kind of covered that. How are we going to try and break GSC based on what we know? Um, chain for the chain god and run a bunch of stuff. It seems like the kind of list where you'll get away with running like a critical mass of infantry, and then you can just run the stuff on top of that. And because you have infinitely recycling infantry, it's always the the old adage from like eighth edition was the first 30 guardsmen really really easy to kill the second 30 were a lot harder and the third 30 were as hard as the first like the first 30 combined right. or the first 60 combined right like once you hit that point if you're on like four or five squads of neophytes you probably don't need to go full in you can probably get away with like 100 bottles because they're recycling and they're coming back and then you can actually spend the rest of your points don't go full in on the mechanic because all you're doing is giving your report a way to attack you and being like, hey, all I have to do, you don't have damage up. I just pressure you. If I can hold you in, even if you've got the chain, I can stop you. But if you have hidden aberrant damage, hidden gene sealers, or good shooting output that you can keep your opponent away from you and push them back, you hit that critical mass while still having an actual plan in the game. 
So, you know, lean into, you probably don't want to play, you know, like max battle line, six squads of acolytes, six squads of neophytes, unless they're good for their own purposes, right? Don't run them just because they come back. They still have to be good while coming back. Yep. How much would blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Moon, I'm sorry to go. I'm just, I, I, I'm not reading that. I, I've made enough of a fool of myself. Will the underwhelming fixed secondaries require less mobile armies to switch to a more killer list, more flexible list, or a fixed secondaries reliable for stolen armies? Um, I think defining you would have to define underwhelming for us there. I don't think they're underwhelm they're underwhelming. I think they're situational. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The fact that they're not always a good not always the best option is like a design choice, and it's a good one. Um slower armies will inherently be worse at things that generally require mobility, which means that you will probably have to build a more flexible game plan. Be willing to accept that you're maybe going to score lower on them and play a more primary focus game. Or maybe they're not underwhelming and we're just we're overestimating them and it'll actually be a lot easier than we think it is to do behind the lines and clans, for example. Don't worry about it. I think it's interesting in a team's format, having fixed secondaries, I think the floor for many of them is much higher. So the floor being like the minimum score you will put out is going to be potentially be a bit much much higher. So I think it's going to be interesting in a team's format going for that fixed secondary rate. It's like, right, I'm losing this matchup no matter what. Let's just ra raise my score and reduce that differential overall. I wonder uh, if we'll actually see WTC change the differential brackets. So for anybody who doesn't know, WTC runs a differential bracket of five points at the moment. So... You know, if you win, if you have a game that's within zero to five points, that's a 10 10 draw. And then six to 10 is a 11 9, and then so on and so forth in five point increments. At the start of the edition, it was four point increments. So it was zero to four was a draw, and then four, and so on and so forth. So you needed to win by 41 in order to get a 20 victory. And it was changed because it was generally found that games were too easy to blow out because a 41 point differential was too easy to score. So the 20 0 system was then changed to make it slightly harder to try and decrease the general rate of 20 0s, which I think worked pretty well. It was generally pretty hard to get 20 on this edition not impossible because it shouldn't be but it was you know more difficult than it you know if it had been a formal point increment um and we may find that and in previous editions like in eighth edition it was a two point bracket so it was zero zero to one points was a draw two plus two to th two and three was an 11 nine and so on and so forth in two point increments because the game was lower scoring you had a lower difference we may see something in between those like it maybe ended up being that for this edition to have roughly the rate of one in 10 games with the 20 now it's three point increments because the game just scores right we don't know where that is or the scores are closer together um so we'll see what happens on that front not that that's completely relevant to the question but i want to talk about it how do you feel about all the missions that have you add remove or move objective markers they're fine they'll be interesting to play and we'll learn them the same as anything else i'm interested to see how that goes but i like i I don't have a lot of experience with stuff like that, but I really don't fucking like 33 in the current pack where we have to move them. So See, it's my um, favorite mission. Oh, I fucking hate that mission. Man. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I like the limited degree of control that gives you over how you want the game to play out and that it yeah. gives you like direction in interesting ways without making the game completely mental, especially if the map is designed for it. Like it's not amazing on player place because you're it's like, also rough on GW. <laughs> GW. Yeah, on GW and player place, I don't think it's amazing, especially because you put right now and then move the objectives in player place, so like you don't know what you're getting. On like a WC board where like you can, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into when it when you right. win or lose the roll off and you can kind of make decisions based on the things you know are going to happen. There's not that variable. I think they're fine. I think the ones that we saw from the pack are generally more considered. One thing I will say is I would probably recommend not using 
um, disc markers for anything that's going to be moving through the game. Like just get some 40 mil disc object, like actual just 40 mil like base size objectives to use for anything that you're putting down or picking up and moving through the game. It will just probably long work and bring blue tack. Bring blue tack to events. It's my number one advice for anybody who's uh, playing those missions. Just bring some blue tack. It will save your life because objectives move all the time. And that is probably like the the physical side of it is probably the one thing that's like a little bit of a pain. But in terms of like mission diversity, I think ninth has been pretty shit for that. Like there's not a lot of missions that play very differently to each other, and things that push the envelope in that way are cool, even if they end up not being the most balanced right now. The iteration that comes in three months and six months time will probably, you know, fix some of those problems. Like we used to play battle lines, guys. Remember battle lines? <laughs> uh, like it wasn't great, but that version got changed out and then we got some more interesting missions that you know use the same kind of format it'll happen the same way even if the the first version is like deploy server skull seems completely bonkers but the version that comes after that will probably be fine yeah. so i'm glad yeah i'm interested to fall down because right now all the missions are five objective missions there's no six objective missions or four objective missions so i mean I, i'm happy for it to happen for so, now but we'll see from what i understand there is a all the maps are five objectives, like the ones that are in the packs. But there is a, a one of the twists is replace the middle objective with two side objectives. Um, so sure. you might just yeah. end up like playing like if you play a five round tournament, you might just end up playing two rounds with that twist, which I think would be fine. It just gives you gives you another. There's what like eight deployment maps or something, or four, four or five deployment maps. So it just gives you another five deployment maps functionally. If you just played that, you could even like do that and something else, right? That would be completely reasonable in the tournament. Um, so I think that's fine. Should player placed objectives ever be rule on five objective marker missions? Uh, I don't see why not. Player placed objectives is a thing that is interesting and gives you a different dichotomy. I wouldn't recommend playing it for every mission, but it's a thing that, like anything else, that is an interesting way to play the game. I wouldn't recommend it for everything because it's one of those things that, like player placed terrain, tests a skill that isn't really 40k related. Like, are you good at putting down objectives? But with the controls it has to stop you just scamming yourself, like old player place objectives could in like seventh edition, I think it, I think it's fine. It's just another cool and interesting thing for you know one in five, one in six missions. Yeah. How excited is Anthony to randomly determine which no man land objective is the alpha and omega? <laughs> I don't know uh, what like, that means. Well, it's just like which objective is the you know the one your opponent's taking and like that uh, type like, of shit. Yeah. Uh, you've been playing a bunch of AOS, Anthony. You know what it's like to have objectives that <laughs> randomly score points and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, you've been practicing. I'm getting ready. That was training. That was the whole time. There you go. While Team Canada was playing Tempest of War, you were playing AOS, the real oh, game. That's Anthony right. Started, Anthony started the Blades of Corn. <laughs> the Blades of Corn. That's true. God, that army's so fun. I wish that game didn't suck. <laughs> Okay. Um, That's a great example of a game itself being flawed, but having parts that are just a blast. Hopefully time okay. gets there. The next questions are, how excited is Anthony? What is Anthony? And are we asking about Tony? Um, so, Anthony, how you doing, Bal? I'm, I'm doing good in general. That's good. Yeah. Glad you're doing good, man. That's Anthony, all are you okay? Anybody who remembers the lore of Anthony, that's a good thing. So yeah, yeah, Anthony's good. Good. Uh, which Fine. three codexes do you think were the? Sorry, Anthony. What? No, I was just making a joke. It's fine. Keep going. Okay. 
Which three codexes do you think were the greatest successes for Ninth? Not necessarily more most powerful, although it's fine if they were, but just best done. And then what were the three least successful? CSM will always be number one for me for that. Like every Legion was good. Like the book had a bunch of shit that worked. They did a good, it wasn't insanely powerful. Good job. Uh <laughs> Drukari gets there on flavor, but boy did they fuck up the scaling. Um and what else did I play that I liked playing and didn't just play because it was strong? World Eaters. Oh, Eaters, duh. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably go with similar ones. Drakari, I think in terms of like how they designed that book to work, nailed it. Absolutely 100 percent But power level was screwed, but whatever. CSM, I'm kind of there with you, but I wouldn't put them in my top three. GSC, I definitely would. I think that book got there on almost every aspect. It just the melee side was underpowered, but it still existed. You could still play it. Um, like Acolyte just felt really strong. Gene Steelers remained a fixture, like it's super cool. Um, the other one that I think did a really good job was Thousand Sons. I think Thousand Sons ended up like I think Cavalier was super, super cool. It was a really interesting mechanic. Um, in terms of failures for me, Grey Knights was just never a super cool codex. Um, I think Nids did a terrible job of balancing what Nids are good at. Like the fact that you can't play a Swarm Army out of that book really is just a mechanical failure at the highest order for me. And probably Necrons. Necrons just never felt like Necrons decision. Like they never felt like the unstoppable like horde of undying legions. They were just, you know, so we run it, you die and score 100 points while we're doing it when they were good. Or they were like double Kakan lists that were not really Necrons to me. Yeah, I'll add, on, I'll add on Sisters of Battle. I think Sisters of Battle, overall, from a, like, a power level perspective, was great. It's just a shame that the Bloody Rose supplement pushed it that little bit further, um, made it almost the default choice, but when you were able to run Argent Shroud and Valorous Heart as good options, I enjoyed that, and I think it was a decent codex overall. Uh, it's a shame the Triumph wasn't as good as maybe we all hoped it to be, but maybe in 10th edition, we'll get it there. So, yeah. I thought Sisters of Battle was cool always a... The preview as well. Yeah, I, I, I'll echo the same thing. Found Sons. It was a shame that Duplicity, for the most part, was the only one you played, other than sometimes playing Cult of Time to res Terminators and stuff like that. But I thought overall it was a, it's a fun book. Um, that was part of my objectives towards the end of Ninth Edition. I wanted to play Codices. I hadn't had the chance to play, uh, but thought it looked fun. So Thousand Sons and Zeech was one of them, as well as World Leaders. And I'm glad to say that was good. I think you got a ton of mileage out of like cult of like time and duplicity when you could still make sub-factions like you saw a bunch of that yeah. and also like you saw some interpretations with things like mutation which had a super cool spell to like restrict your board's movement it just like those are one of the things that like single sub-faction definitely killed off was a lot of that like you know the little bit of extra where yeah it wasn't it was a thing you could staple onto the side of duplicity to make duplicity more interesting but it didn't have the core power level to get there on its own um sort of like when you saw Evan chalice plus bloody rose for sisters right uh, where you could take like the Evan Chalice detachment to attack on some cool extra things, but like you had to have the Bloody Rose core, and it killed off that side of things. It was still good for a hundred other reasons, but killing off the Bolton detachments was kind of a shame. Cool. Um, Sam, how do you like your eggs? Scrambled or omelette? That's the way to do it. Oh hell yeah, man! Omelette. All this time I've been answering this question and I never thought about omelette. Yes, yes, but that's what my one and two as well, man. Well, good. Glad to hear it. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely um, an omelette of sorts. Like get some onions, some uh, bacon or something there. Some. He's some, so smart. Look, 
Look, his name is Lemon. He knows food. Uh. <laughs> Technically not, but sure. It's close, but not Don't quite. Don't worry about it. It's the Australian version of Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's if you flip it upside down, it's basically lemon. There you um, go. Or I'm not even gonna try and say what that would be upside down. It's like a U and then an L and then a W, a three and a R. And it's what's the next question. Yeah, no, I know. I'm really tired, man. <laughs> really I was like, one a.m. Literally, it's I was literally asleep before the show for about forty minutes. I woke up and was like, Oh, I have to record. Focus. Uh, there's a lot of negativity and doom going on right now. Is it getting to you guys? Are you agreeing with some, most, or any of it? This is from Jake. Uh, Who doesn't? A lot. Like, I'm, I'm, like, frustrated with what 10th looks like. I am generally very positive. Like, and I think three months out and six months out from Elise, I think 10th will look good. But I am legitimately annoyed with a lot of the design decisions they've made because there's broad stroke issues, right? Like, the proliferation of rerolls, the proliferation of dev wounds and shit like that is all really problematic. And it's fine to look at that and be like, hey, that's gonna suck. Like, but ideally it just sucks for a little bit and then it's fine. The, like, I wouldn't, like, it doesn't, I don't think it'll be a long-term problem, I guess is the best way to put it. I think, min like, people minimizing that it's a problem is frustrating Obviously, reference the We Don't Know channel where I lost my mind in the stat check Discord that one time. Um, but, like, I don't think it's not an issue. But I don't think it's going to be an issue forever. Um, you could theoretically solve all of those problems with a 4-up roll-off. That's a problem 4-plus and devastating wounds. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, have, a, I have a longer spiel on this one, so... No, I'm excited for the new edition. I mean, I've taken a break now from ninth edition, just do other things, enjoy everything else, and then I'm excited. I guess I'm an eternal optimist, though, so we'll see what happens. Um, if the game sucks and like I don't enjoy it, then take a break or do something else. So, but right now, I'm looking forward to it and excited. Yep, it's a good good approach. I'm gonna do a little spiel, and then we're gonna wrap the episode up. So. I get that the new edition is crap. The, the problem with it is, it's not even that it's crap. I get that the new edition looks like it has flaws. And the problem with it is, it's super easy to look at it from the context of, ninth edition is just getting there. Why are we leaving to move to this thing that is worse? Objectively. And that sucks for a lot of reasons. Now, the problem is, at the core of it, we are tied to a game that does not belong to us. Right? The game is, we are the community for a game that is beholden to a company that makes a new edition every three years. For better or worse, it is coming. The only real options you have, besides still playing ninth edition, which I'm not going to lie to you, nobody's going to do that. Like, your seven mates in their garage, go for it. You can still run an RTT of it. Power to you, I'm not going to be there. I am already forgetting ninth edition rules. Uh, the yep. game is moving on. You have basically the choice of embrace it and stick with it and work your best to make the game continue in the best way you can which is to provide feedback in a healthy way that doesn't just wail on the company that are making the changes the people who were told hey you have to make a new game these are the core design values we want to make it around like they had to do it like they didn't have a choice they were told make 10th edition right now it's happened regardless you can either provide feedback to try and make that process as good as you can and from what I hear, even like the version that went out to the people to go and do content reviews, they've taken feedback from that on board and we might be seeing changes based on that. 
which would be great. That's the kind of thing that I'm super happy to see. Playtesting in-house is inherently limited, even with a great playtesting team, especially if you have a limited power to listen to them or to take in feedback in an appropriate and healthy way, or a limited time frame to respond to it. Like, if you have just been told, hey, this stuff's broken and the book ships next week, like, there's not a lot you can do about it, right? Too bad. Like, logistics are a thing on a game that works on the scale that 40k does. Now, what that means is it's going to be busted at the beginning. It is always busted at the beginning of edition. It sucks a little bit that there are some big events during that time, like LGT and WTC. But the thing I want to remind you guys about, this is a once in a three-year thing, once in a three or four-year thing. This WTC is going to be mental. This LGT is going to be mental. All your tournaments for the next couple months are going to be crazy. But there is a certain fun in that that you can play towards. Now, what I recommend for that is understanding that this is a period where nothing really matters and it's a great time to break out. There are a bunch of people who, like, the start of 8th edition were terrible players. The start of 9th edition were just, like, for the reason to nothing. But the new mechanics vibe with them. They found a great way to introduce part of the game and just kept the momentum going. If you want to learn to play the game at, like, a competitive level right now, there is probably not a better time because things are not solved. You will, by virtue of playing an army that is just stronger than what you're looking for, whether it's because you found it or because you netlisted it, you will probably get to play against some players who are just better than you should be getting to play against right now, and maybe even beating them or learning from them. It's a great time to just do that. And because the game is in such a wild flux state, it'll not even be unearned. They'll just have less prep than you because we're resetting the playing field a bunch. Like, it's a great time for that. It's once every three years. We didn't see a start in 9th edition now, really, because obviously we were in the middle of the pandemic, the world was quieter, the event, the scene was smaller. The last time we really saw this was six years ago, which means that this is the first time in six years we're really going through this. And also, like, the ninth was barely a joke. We used the same codexes and everything. Like, the transition was very small. This means that for a huge portion of the competitive community, this is the first time you're going through something like this, which is understandably absolutely terrifying in a lot of ways. It's scary. It's a lot of change. You're learning new data sheets. You're learning new rules. And that's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Anthony is going through it for the first proper time himself, which is why I always, like, Take it with a pinch of salt. Like it's, it's okay, Anthony. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> he loves it when I diminish him. It's great. Um, so, like Anthony says, in three or six months, the game will be in a state which resembles something like him. There have been a ton of lessons learned through Ninth Edition that have been super cool, super great, super awesome to see. We've seen that they're continuing to balance data states and point changes that will still be concurring through to Tenth Edition, which means that the people who made those decisions are still sticking around. And they'll get there. But the first three to six months is just the same game, like turned to 11. It's not fair. It's not balanced. It's still 40k. Don't sacrifice your fun now because the grass is going to be greener in six months. If you enjoy playing 40k and you're not just about to win and you're okay with living in that chaos a little bit, the game is still there. Like, don't don't give up on it now because in three months, because you're going to wait for three months or because it's going to suck for a bit and it's not going to feel super representative fine whatever it's one wtc and three and we'll get to see a whole, you'll get to see a whole bunch of new things you'll get to see top players at lgt and wtc and everything who have been like i have solved the meta and just get pounded into the dirt because they just got it wrong and you'll see people who were absolute nobodies just get it right and sail and like they'll continue that momentum on and they'll be the best player in the world in three years time and this is where all that starts so you know be part of it it'll be fun it'll be fine don't worry about it and we don't know right all right that's true cool with that with that little 
ramble of I'm sorry to anybody who had to deal with that and couldn't deal with positivity. Um, I'm gonna head. Up, I'm gonna finish this up so Sam can get away. Thank you so much to everybody who's been with us for this episode. We will probably have the stats guys back next week, but I promise none of them will be talking about stats because honestly, who cares about that edition now? Um, we'll probably hopefully have Jeremy on to talk a little bit about his experience refing Kansas City because uh, he was there doing that, and also he is at a team tournament this weekend with the Team Canada guys, which they'll hopefully win. Um, so we'll hopefully get to hear about that. I'm doing F all, probably doing a practice weekend with Chris. Anthony, Sam, turning in this weekend? Nothing interesting. Uh, nothing personally this weekend, but actually, I just want to have a final plug. So uh, unfortunately, not doing 40k Frontiers anymore, but I've started a new thing called the Wide World of Warhammer. So run with my good mate Ben Way from down to 40k. So uh, a group of people who run events generally in New South Wales. So it's in the eastern coast of Australia. Uh, but they're a great group, bunch of dudes, and there's a bunch of content coming out of those lads. So uh, recent Art of War coach Alex Inglisos, so Admech specialist and all-around good Greek guy. So he does a bunch of stuff there, talk, talking about the Australian meta. And I've got a series of schedules, of, a series of interviews lined up. So the first one coming out will be Team Germany. So talking to Calvin, Matthias, and David, for, aka Deathrite. So talking about how Team Germany's prep and lead up to WTC years. What was that? Sorry, I love four k nicknames. Oh yeah, you know, you know <laughs> Death Rat and Doom Guy and Typhus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. F- followed shortly by uh, so who came third last year? Um, followed shortly by Team Poland. So we've got uh, Pumba and oh, apologies, I'm going to forget his name. Uh, m- not my son. Apologies, I forgot the other dude's name. Of uh, nickname, apologies. Ah, uh, Duda. So we got uh, Pumba and Duda. Duda. Yeah. I, Yep, so Duda, so uh, they got those guys on talking about transitioning into the new edition. Then also the reigning, defending, undefeated champions of the world, the Team Australia coming on. So got Liam can't hack it, hack it himself uh, <laughs> uh, with with Mike, uh, the, the Australia's greatest a- athlete and greatest export, Matt Morisoli, and then oh. the new new guy on the block, Brody Middleton, joining as well as a series of interviews. So obviously got Tony V himself with um, Jaime Paris the following week, uh, StatCheck's own. Curie, uh, Chris Haynes from Camhammer, as well as Chris Irvine from Team Scotland, talking about hell yeah, hell yeah. So that's what truly matters, as, as well as a bunch of other people. So Neil Kerr's lined up, as well as talk about the behind the scenes of WTC. So and about- so we will have a link to all of the Wide World of 40k stuff in the description below, so that anybody who is looking for that, go check them out. We do love all the stuff that Sam and uh, Alex did on 40k Frontiers, and we're really looking forward to seeing where they go from here. I'm gonna Sam, thank you, you very much. Take care. That's right. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure, and looking forward to defending my title in the next Stat Check League. Hell yeah! Just give me <laughs> I'm gonna finish out the folks once you go. Right. Thank you so much for being here, right. Sam. That's right. No worries. Cool. I'm gonna finish the plugs now. Um, so yeah, thank you so much to Sam. Congratulations again for winning the Bike Check League. Um, also, you're far better looking than both of us. Uh, I'm just going to say that after the show. So if you do watch it, you're not going to, so you're never going to hear that. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it. Uh, He's also so, yeah. real tall. He's like he is. Yeah. huge. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for being with us. Um, two hours and five minutes because there, there was no stats to stop us this week. There was no breaks on the train of Innes talking to himself. Uh, so thank you, everybody. If you are in a position to support us, we would love if you could check us out at patreon.com slash statcheck. Otherwise, youtube.com slash c slash statcheck. Every Tuesday at 11 p.m. GMT, 6 p.m. Eastern, we are here live talking about 40k. We'll be back next week for episode 48, where we'll be talking about presumably a ton more 40k 10th edition because we are looking at having all of the turned and space running data sheets and also potentially more um, based on the, the rumors. So I'm really looking forward to seeing everything that comes out. 
Um, we didn't even talk about the Leviathan date sheets. Oh my god, there was so much this week. Um, Stonks with Von Ryan's Leapers, everything else for Nid sucks. Stormguard looked great. Um, that's Leviathan. Um, and Elo was all, I do not, I still don't know what a cantaloupe is. Thank you so much, everybody, for being with us. Anthony, do you have it in the vlog? Uh, no, but if you're gonna run a teams event, use a good tiebreak method. Fuck four ups. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.